This week on Nintendo Main, we have Daniel Gillen here to talk to us about games, and we're going to get into Night Trap. <laughs> what do all those colors mean? We get caught in the night. <laughs> Welcome to Nintendo Main Podcast. This is episode 136. We are your hosts. I'm Trey. I don't understand Night Trap Johnson. I'm Jeremy. Still need a PS2 controller, Mikowski. I'm John, breaking contact knitter. <laughs> and I'm we Daniel have Daniel Team Fork Gillen. Team Fork, yeah. Team Fork. It's Platfest. We were, uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that too. Uh, yeah, we have, we have Daniel Gillen here from, uh, uh, well, we met you on the NBC group, and uh, you also have a blog as well that, I, that I've read. But I know I know you play a lot of games, and uh, I've read impressions and stuff that you put on the NBC Facebook group. So we thought we'd have you on the show. So welcome. How's it going? Happy to be here. I uh, I normally ask all of our guests on this show, um, what's your favorite Nintendo game? I'm going to say Breath of the Wild. Okay. Um, Good choice. It was, it was Ocarina of Time, and I'm usually like... If I have a game that I really like, I'll let it sit for a few years before deciding if it's actually my favorite. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to throw it out there as my favorite and then just let people send you guys emails. But. <laughs> I was going to say uh, kind kind of a new one, eh? No, no, that's fine. I mean, you could you could say whatever. Uh, I yeah, no, Breath of the Wild is uh, it's a good game. I don't know if it's necessarily yeah. my favorite Zelda game, but. It it's did a lot of my top. It did a lot of really cool stuff. I think it, I'm in the same boat as you, Daniel, because Ocarina was sitting pretty at my number one for 20 years, and mm. then honestly, you know, I guess there's two ways to judge your favorite game of a series. One is what's your nostalgic, emotional favorite, and for me, that would still be Ocarina. But the legitimate, just uh, plain spoken, best game of the series is it's got to be Breath of the Wild. There's really no arguing for me. Mm. Yeah, too ambitious. It's too well executed. It's a great game. How uh, you know, it's weird is like I I sometimes think I I'm maybe not even that much of a Zelda fan because I I really played like Ocarina of Time and I went back and played the Super Nintendo ones and I played some of the 3DS ones mm-hmm. and like nothing actually ever touched anything between Ocarina of Time and Breath of the Wild as like the top three of my games. It mm. was just ocarina of time and then breath of the wild and no other zelda game came anywhere close to it for me oh wow not not even a link between worlds like i, I thought that game was fantastic it's pretty I think, good but i thought it was fantastic but i i don't know why i never had like the emotional resonance that i had with like breath of the wild or ocarina of time i think the closest for me aside from those would be wind waker mm-hmm. that's what wow. i yeah that's what i was gonna say wind waker was very special to me at the time when it came out yeah i think wind waker the only down for me is i i found the like actual structure of the game really frustrating like that yeah i played the hd remaster which was faster than the other versions and mm-hmm. still man that final triforce quest is a bitch yeah like it is just real bad <laughs> yeah and they, and they even tried yeah. to stri- streamline that a little bit with the hd version 
one of my one of my major complaints with Wind Waker was number one, it was way too easy, and number two, it was way too quick. Like the, there's not as many. There was like so little amount of dungeons compared to like yeah. Ocarina of Time or like A Link to the Past or like any of the other Zelda games that had come out. And Twilight Princess, they tried to rectify that, I guess, by putting like ten dungeons in there. And that one almost felt too big, I guess. But, but uh, I was going to ask you, like, how how far did you get in uh, Breath of the Wild? Did you find like all of the temples? Like, did you get? Did you? I mean, how many hours did you put into it? I so I put in, I put in about um, 150 hours on the first time I owned it because if if anybody saw me on NVC a long time ago, I I actually lost a switch oh, and lost gosh. with it my Ooh. save because hey, no cloud saves. Yeah. Um, so then I started over. And uh, put 50 more hours into it on my current Switch. And uh, yeah, I didn't get, I didn't do all the Korok seeds. Uh, I did all the shrines once. I did all the DLC, did all of like, I didn't do all of the side quests, didn't do all the armor. I uh, did a lot of the DLC armor though, just because mm-hmm. that stuff was pretty funny. Oh, sure. There's, yeah. some really stu- there's some really stupid ones in that DLC armor. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I love the, uh, I mean, I, I love the motorcycle. And the DLC that really brought me back to the game was just uh, having that motorcycle that you can just have make it appear anywhere, and that oh. that basically made the game new again for me because I love that. And I think that thing's so wonderfully stupid. Yeah. It's just it's <laughs> like a bizarrely game breaking item that they're like, hey, take your take your motorcycle, go jump off a cliff with it in this <laughs> mystical, fantastical world. <laughs> like, yeah, right on. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no, that thing's a lot of fun, and it, it, and that mixed with the heroes, with the heroes path was kind of like, oh, I haven't gone here, so I'm just going to drive there in my motorcycle, and I found a bunch of stuff I that think, I hadn't yeah. found. It pretty much they had to write it in the Zelda lore to explain why he's in Mario Kart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. They did kind of like canonically. Now it makes sense. They're mm-hmm. just like, oh yeah, Mario Kart oh, yeah, is in Link. the Zelda timeline. Yeah, Link was always riding a motorcycle <laughs> back in the day. You don't remember that? Well, I mean, I guess. Uh, I I read somewhere that it was uh that that was like one of their original ideas when they were trying to kick around what they were going to do on Breath of the Wild. One of them was like doing a like a post-apocalyptic Zelda like with a motorcycle and all that and I'm like I wish I would love for them to do that for the next one. Like, that would be so cool. Like I would I would be into that. Like since they've all kind of been like right. more fantasy, it'd be cool to see like a sci-fi Zelda. Sure. Yeah, I would love to see them straight up in the future like yeah, machines and lasers and just go full tilt with it mm. which they did i mean they did go full post-apocalyptic with breath of the wild it was just more of like a barren wasteland versus like yeah, a yeah. big like hey, wind waker digital kind of city or whatever too. yeah you know you could really like there's a strong argument for being able to replicate the story to highlander in zelda mm. like, it could definitely work sure uh, where uh where link is uh well if it wasn't multiple links he could just be like the immortal that's lived for however long and mm-hmm. aside from like yeah. cutting people's heads off and the quickening and all that there can yeah. only be one at a time only one link at a time <laughs> yeah right <laughs> exactly except for four swords <laughs> well yeah except for if it's not in the it, it, except for if they decide that there can be more links of course yeah i'm just saying like it, imagine link goes to kill some goblin or whatever and then cops show up and it great story <laughs> as long as they you can like busted. yeah as long as there's like some uh if they're gonna have some sort of like crazy parking garage fight or something which is talking highlander where they like cut cut cars in half by accident and there's a whole lot of uh, lightning and stuff like that also if you haven't <laughs> watched highlander in a while it's trash like 
It was on Hulu. It's it's hilarious. But I, man, that movie is so bad. <laughs> oh, the first one, the Chris, yeah. Chris, the Christopher Lambert Highlander. I love that movie. I said, oh, I love it too. But it, man, I was like, this one does it does not hold up. It's so stupid. No, I think it's. I don't know. I, I watched it fairly recently with with Jess, like a few years ago, and I think it's still pretty fun. I mean, but I I don't know. Most of the movies that I like are pretty ridiculous anyway. So, but uh, yeah, but I th- I think it's still a fun movie, and the and the Queen soundtrack is fantastic. I love that. Uh, oh yeah, the yeah, Princes of the Universe is one of my favorite Queen songs. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. We we were talking about uh, bands that did an entire soundtrack for a movie, and the ones we could think of were uh, that one with Queen, and then ACDC did yeah. all of Maximum Overdrive. They did the yeah. like Stephen mm-hmm. King Trucks movie. Yeah, that mo- well, that, I would say that I, movie is more. I would argue that Maximum Overdrive is more trash than. Highlander. <laughs> oh, it's definitely like it's yeah. hard trash. Yeah, it's the like, maximum dude, overdrive. Dude is pretty gets awful. Killed by a vending machine. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty awful. And the game and Flash Gordon too. There's another yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Flash Gordon Bat, as well. Uh, Prince did Batman. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The Prince, the Back, Prince Batman soundtrack. His, his album was Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I had that album on cassette tape. It was ridiculous. Which all the uh, Prince stuffs on Spotify now. I don't know if you guys knew that. Oh, really? I heard about that. Yeah. What band would do the Legend of Zelda movie soundtrack? I will. Oh, man. No, I, 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 I wish that we... <laughs> what would you say? That's a Dream what Theater. Uh-huh. Oh, Dream Theater? I w- I'm just kidding, though. I wish we were I wish we were in a world where the Queen was still around, because then I would yeah. love... If it was oh, somehow retroactive where they made like an 80s Zelda movie... With a Queen, yeah. with a Queen soundtrack, that would be fucking amazing. What about oh. uh, who did the soundtrack to Legend? Uh, Electric Tangerine or whatever the heck that one. Oh was. yeah, yeah, those those guys are great. Yeah, no, I. Uh, I just saw um, Tom York from Radiohead is doing the soundtrack to the Suspiria remake. So mm. you oh, know, Radiohead, Radiohead could always do Zelda. That'd yeah. Be- That'd be I'm weird. I'd listen to that. It would yeah, be it'd very be totally weird. weird. Yeah. I'm pretty sad about that Suspiria remake. Like that's another thing where it's like, just don't do it. But hey, yeah, whatever. you know, it's funny. I thought that too, and then I realized most people that I was like, why would they bother remaking Suspiria? And most people were like, what's Suspiria? And I was like, oh, I guess that's probably why they're remaking it. Yeah. Nobody watched the original. Yeah, but I feel like I've, I've always felt like a lot of those remakes were done to try to. Which, which, if you know fans, doesn't make any sense. But try to get all the people yeah. who liked it originally to go see it again. You know, they tried to do that with, yeah. Night, with Nightmare on Elm Street. But if anybody knew Just anything like, about that series, yeah. the fandom was for Robert Englund, not for the story. So if you take him out of it, then what's the point? You yeah, know, same, brush same, up the original, make it look nice, and put it back in theaters. Yeah, or like, or I mean, I worked, I did a movie with Robert Englund. He said he would do another one if they just wrote another one with him in, and he'd do it. He doesn't care, you know. He's an awesome dude. They didn't he loved, he loved doing Freddy. They didn't even get contacted for the remake, right? Like you didn't know they were doing it until it was it was being done. I think, uh, well, it was, I know they were shooting it in Chicago while we were shooting this, uh, low budget horror comedy with him. And, uh, he said that, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they, they might have asked him for a cameo or something, but he said that he wanted, uh, Wes, Wes Craven's, like, approval on the movie. And Wes Craven, mm-hmm. I guess, didn't care for it, so he didn't want to do it. And plus, he was on our movie, which is cool, because he was working for, like, nothing. Like, I think he worked for, like, 6000 a week, which is pretty low for, a, right. for an actor of his caliber. But, yeah, it was, like, one of those things where he was just like, eh, whatever, you know. He's like, I feel like he, they, they should do it this way, but they're not doing it that way, so whatever, you know. Man, New Nightmare, though, is, like, one of the more perfect closeouts to a horror movie series. Oh, like, that's I, really yeah, good. Like, sure, no, New that Nightmare, movie's great. Yeah, I thought that was a, a good twist on it. 
Yeah, believe yeah, it. Yeah, movie's great. Believe it or not, New Nightmare was like one of the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies that I watched, like when I was a kid, like that I remember seeing yep. all of. Was, I might have been in the same boat. I think it was my first one yeah, that I watched. Was that one? And then I went back and watched all the other ones, and it is like my favorite slasher series. But yeah, that was the first one I watched, and I thought it was really cool. And I didn't realize like all the all the stuff that they had kind of like referenced from the original movie, like some of the same kills and like the same beats and all that. Yeah. I didn't realize it until later until I watched the first one and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's where that's from. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like killing, like killing the girl on the ceiling and and all that stuff, you know, still the same, the same style. So I didn't really know when I first saw it, I didn't know like what it was pulling from, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a fun one. Plus the effects on it are really cool. And I liked, I like the way Freddy's designed in that one. Yeah. He's like, his claws are super long and curvy. We got, we got... I mean, it inspired a Fresh Prince <clears throat> song. It was so good. Yeah. Nightmare, <laughs> Nightmare on my street. <laughs> Which is all anyone can hope to do. When, uh, I used to work, I used to work at this bar and we had like a control play where like you could play, uh, it was like a channel that would play songs with, with, uh, music videos and you, you know, people would make playlists and just play that all day long. And I made my and I made my like eighties my like eighties playlist, and it had a Nightmare on My Street on there. And it would play and it would play like every Saturday, and it and it's such a long song, and such like sort mm-hmm. of an obscure song. I was always waiting for somebody to complain about it, but nobody ever did. So I know, <laughs> it's too good. It was just kind of a weird. It was just kind of a weird part of that. Uh, the, I think I called it Trace Tubular Tracks was the name of it. But yeah, that and that song was on there. Nobody ever really said anything about like the you know about the Nightmare <laughs> in My Street. That's just it kinda, is a really weird track to have on. Just like a if I heard it somewhere, just playing like a, commonly, it'd be really weirded out. Yeah, it's just like on a. I worked like Saturday afternoons, and it would just at, a, at like a restaurant bar, you know. And that would, and you know that you would, you would hear, uh, yeah, you would hear Fresh Prince there, and it was it's never one of my favorite karaoke songs. Yeah, it, top yeah, it was never like Halloween or anything. It was just like, hey, <laughs> it's just mixed in, you know, it's just mixed in with Journey and all this other stuff. Why not? I was just surprised that they had it, that they had it available because it wasn't, you know, the Control Blade didn't have like every song. Like there's a lot of stuff lacking, but I found that one, so I felt like it had to be in the list. But yeah, we got a uh, somehow we got from Breath of the Wild to uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and all that, but that's that's fine, you know, a free form here on Nintendo Made Podcast. But uh, you know, I I can talk a lot about horror movies and stuff like that. Jess and I have another have a podcast called the the Honey Darling Show where we actually did an episode about Nightmare on Elm Street and Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and it actually has that song in there in it, of course, the uh, Nightmare, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street because why? Because it has to be in there, right? So mm-hmm. so if you want to hear more about that, we have that available. On iTunes. It's all good. We got a horror theme going with Night Trap. That's true. Yeah, John, bring bringing it back around with Night Trap. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do. Uh, so, at the beginning of every show, we talk about what games we've bought and have been playing for the week. So, let's get into that. So, uh, do you want to? Who wants to go first? Well, um, we could, uh, if you want to, Daniel, you could get into just just because we haven't had you on the show before. And you've probably played stuff that we haven't played. We can definitely talk to, talk to you on that if you want to go first. I definitely want to talk about uh, Bad North. I know you've been playing a lot of that yeah. game. Yeah. And, I, and it, people seem to like it. So uh, what's, uh, what's up with that one? So Bad North is kind of like uh, an RTS, like stripped down to where there's almost nothing there except for the bare bones. It's very minimal looking. You just watch video clips of it. It's very, very simple. And like I used to play a lot of Command and Conquer and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which are you know, sure. much more boisterous RTSs and uh, a lot of like harvesting materials and building bases to build Marines or whatever. But this is very simple. You got 
you know, four commanders tops and each commander is a little troop and it's only uh, spears, swords or bows. So it's just kind of like a rock, paper, scissors formation. And uh, yeah, and basically each map is an island and boats show up on the island and you direct your guys where to go and they attack them. And it's uh, it has a roguelite element where if one of those commanders dies, they're dead forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you can you, of course, like if all your commanders die, it's game over. You back to the menu and you're starting a new save file, basically. Mm. Uh, As far as I can tell, if you were actually good, which I am not, you could probably beat the game in like three hours tops Mm -hmm. in a run. And it has like normal and hard settings. So I imagine it depending on which setting you choose. But yeah, it's really it's just really easy and accessible to get into and understand like the tutorial is super short because there's really not a lot to tell you, but uh, it expands a lot on those simple mechanics and just mm-hmm. keeps going. Full disclosure, I've heard there's a bug somewhere in there that will just nuke your save file. Yeah. So I haven't seen that it, sucks. but um, maybe wait for a patch if you're going to buy it. Yeah, I've but, heard about – unfortunately, I haven't run into game-killing bugs, but I know there was one – do you remember there was one for like Skyward Sword even like way back when on the Wii? Like thankfully, I never ran into that. I think uh, Other M had one also, but – Last one yeah. I can remember was uh, – there was a big one that had to do with um, Metal Gear Solid Five. Had one oh. that was like if you took quiet on a certain mission, then it broke the game or something. And I don't remember what happened, but it would people were like super freaked out about that. Oh sure, yeah. But, I mean, well, anything that uh, anything that completely erases your game and your progress and all that is very is very very frustrating. Like on the I ran into yeah. one in Eternal Darkness where the screen popped up and it said, "Do you want to save?" And I said, "Yes." And it said, "Do you want to erase the game?" And it erased the game. Oh, but that's not <laughs> – that wasn't real, though. <laughs> this isn't happening. I love that game. That w- But that was the one that really made my heart jump, like when it was like, oh, yeah, no, we're racing your game. Like, what? No. Yeah, that game was fun. Man, like, who who owns Eternal Darkness? Like, why hasn't that come back? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I was going to say, like, I own a copy of it. <laughs> mean that no oh no i, mean, I meant like yeah. the, i meant like the ip yeah like, it was a i mean didn't silicon knights go under i know they tried to kickstart a sequel to it and it didn't it didn't like work and they didn't get the funding that they wanted so but they were going to do like some sort of weird episodic release of it and i don't think people were into that maybe i don't yeah. know but there was a there was an eternal darkness 2 kickstarter i remember that and something happened and it didn't get, yeah, they, didn't get they didn't get the funding or you know or they didn't get around to whatever I don't know. They were doing with it, but it was it was there for a second. But I don't know what they're. I don't know. I don't feel like. One, I don't know what they've done since like Two Human. Like that was like their last big game for for three sixty, yeah. which didn't. Which I don't think was received very well. So I don't no. know. No, but uh, Bad North's really good. Like I really like it. You can play the entire game on touchscreen on the Switch, which is kind of weird because like I've popped off the Joy Cons and just held the Switch. Mm-hmm. Which if you do that, like you suddenly realize it's not much bigger than like an XL phone, like one of the larger iPhones oh, yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, no, it totally yeah. is. It's the same size, I think. Yeah, because the first when Jeremy and I we went to one of those like uh, Switch preview events, and uh, my my roommate like lent me his his like uh, iPhone XL to shoot video of that event with. And yeah, it's the same size. <laughs> the screen is because we because we because the first time we'd ever seen a switch, and I'm like, oh, it's the same size as like a the the big phones or, or phablets is what we 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 call them, like the in between the phone and the tablet, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of weird in that sense, but um, it is coming to like everything else on the 28th, uh, Xbox and PS4, and it has good 
uh, controller controls. Like it's mm-hmm. grid based, so it's you know. I don't think the absence of a mouse is really an issue, which normally is for RTSs on consoles. Sure. How but do you, also, uh, t- touchscreen controls work so good that it, it is also coming to phone, and like that wouldn't be a terrible place to buy it either. Sure. It, would it be like $15 on phone also, or would, they like, would it be less, do you think? I have no idea. I'd assume it would still be 15 mm-hmm. It more or less looks like it would be the same game. So, I mean, th- when you're talking about controls, do you basically, like, click on your guy and then click on a spot on the map and then they move there? Is that, how, is that pretty yeah, much what it exactly. is? Yeah, exactly. And okay. Yeah, and it kind of has a weird mechanic where, like, you know, a lot of RTSs, because they, of course, are a lot of speed and moving around and doing things quick, but they have a mechanic when you click on the guy to move them, it slows down, like time slows down. And so you can kind of choose where they go next in that instance. So you're not really, like kind of struggling to like tap one place and tap another place really fast which oh, okay. was another thing people don't like about rts's on consoles is that yeah, of course yeah. everything is faster with a mouse mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. why would you be using a controller but this because it slows down and because it's grid based it is very much optimized for touchscreen or controller controls mm-hmm. without losing any of the dexterity of the battle so yeah it's really great mm-hmm and there's a. I watched some of uh, the friend of the show Justin Vega made a made a review of it, and I watched some of his stuff off the NBC group. And he was saying that that the uh, tutorial doesn't doesn't tell you uh, that it's simple, but it doesn't tell you all that you need. Like there's some extra stuff that you learn as you're going, like different things yeah. about like like markings on the map and like other stuff and stuff like that. But I've never really I've never really been that into RTSs. I played Warcraft two in high school, but that was kind of more. I guess that was. Uh, Sort of RTSE, but it was yeah, like uh, definitely. I don't know. I never really got into like uh, Command and Conquer and all that stuff. Even though I do have Command and Conquer on sixty four, just out of like pure curiosity because I found it cheap on eBay. But uh, that that's the only reason to own Command and Conquer on sixty four. <laughs> it was. Uh, I was trying to buy. Uh, I was trying to get a hold of uh, Mission Impossible on sixty four, which is not a great game either. But I played it a lot in high school and enjoyed it, so I wanted to play it again. But I found like a bundle that came with like. That game and like uh, Rainbow Six and and like another and oh and uh, and Winback too I think so it's like all these weird yeah, like uh, all, all these weird action sixty four games that I got for like twenty bucks or something like that for four of them so it was so it ended up and it was in a bundle and that's where I ended up with the Command Conquer game but yeah I, I'm what I was getting at is I'm not really I'm not really into RTSs but Bad North looks like it's like stripped down enough that like anybody could get into it like it's very gives you just like the basis of it and and uh i find it intriguing in that in that aspect yeah i think even people that are like uh have enjoyed like tower defense games on phones which are mm-hmm. you know probably where that's most popular nowadays uh could really get into it just because it does have a lot of that because it you know you're not exploring a map like you are in a proper rts or mm-hmm. anything like that you're just controlling an island and trying to keep that from getting taken over so it's pretty simple but it's it's a lot of fun when you dig in. Mm-hmm. So is it is it basically just like eradicating the enemy on the island? Like you're just getting rid of everybody, or are there different like objectives? So each island has like it'll have a couple of houses, and uh, basically they're showing up to attack the houses. They're not showing up to attack you. Oh, okay. Um. So you have to you know you have to kill them to save the houses, but it's only you only lose if you know a all your commanders die. Or if all the houses are destroyed. So, like, you can actually have a few houses destroyed, but um, each house has a worth. And they don't tell you at the starting what it is, but the more houses you save, the more payout you have. And the more payout you have, 
the more money you have for basically upgrading your commanders. Uh. So it's in your best interest to keep as many of the houses alive as possible. But that's that's essentially the goal. Mm-hmm. Would that would that like give you would make it to where like you could go back and play another level and try to like have more houses be saved or can you do that? Can you like replay and try to do a better job on it? No, they they tell you it's kind of the map layout is interesting because you, as you choose islands, there's no backtracking. So once you choose basically the path and they kind of have this like little divided grid of, you know, do you want to go to this island or this one? Uh-huh. But once you do it, like you can go back and replay an island, but they tell you that you'll get nothing for it. So, uh, okay. Yeah. And, and you were saying they were randomly generated. So I guess that would make sense for you not to be able to replay one because part of the idea is that you have no idea and you have no way to get a leg up on it. You just have to in the style, like figure it out as you go, which I think is a cool, which is a cool way to use the whole roguelite thing for that. I think. Right. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by it just, uh, and it's not really my game style at all, but I'm kind of interested in checking out and it's not that much. Like I said, it's only 15. It's not like the, uh, we were talking about the prison mechanic game or whatever it's called. Prison architect. Prison architect. That came out. That's like, that's like $30. I feel like that's kind of a steep price for something. If you don't really know what it is jumping into it, but something like this is a little more approachable for me. Yeah. Price wise. Cool. Is there uh what else have you been playing? Well, you said, you said on your nickname, you mentioned uh, the spoon versus fork Splatfest event, which happened yeah. Friday night. Um, Jeremy and I played some of it last night. We normally do a, we normally do like a stream on a, on Twitch, but my, my computer was being weird and wasn't letting me stream on Twitch, so I wasn't able to do that. But we still record it and we'll post it on YouTube. But uh, yeah, how, how much how much have you been getting into that? Uh, I played. I mostly played it. I didn't play it last night, so I played a bunch of Overwatch with my brother. He came over, mm-hmm. and uh, but um, I got into it. Played a bunch of it. I actually just like woke up and went straight to playing it after I got coffee this morning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, Splatfests are great. It's kind of a weird thing that every every multiplayer game has that ongoing problem where people fall off of it and then usually something brings them back mm-hmm. and i think what games like uh overwatch and splatoon have figured out is that events bring people back oh yeah, yeah. and Spl- splatoon has come up with a name for it by being like listen we know you didn't play for months that's okay you can play for this weekend mm-hmm. you know or the week leading up to this weekend and then we'll tell you when you need to play next and overwatch does the same thing where we're They'll be like, you know, listen, there's a summer event going for this month. Get different loot boxes, limited items. Mm-hmm. And it's like those kind of mechanics are cool because it tells you when to come back to a multiplayer game. Whereas like maybe content drops might not do it where you're like, this is just the same game with a different map. Like, why would sure. I come back to that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah, along I those love same the- lines. Um, like I was reading on, on Fortnite, you know, they got the crack in the sky. And now there's lightning shooting down for some reason from the sky. Right. There's a giant cube that appeared. That kind of stuff is cool. Like I don't play that much Fortnite. I really don't play it at all. Is that that huge update yeah. I had to download? A Fortnite? Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> but that kind of thing makes me intrigued to go back in when I'm hearing that weird stuff is happening and everyone's trying to figure out why. It's mm. pretty cool. Well, I th- I feel yeah, like definitely. Fort- and like you know, games like Call of Duty, I think have tried doing things like uh, where they'll drop content or like weapons or double XP weekends. But I don't think those events intrigue people like they used to. Mm-hmm. I think you got to do more to evolve a game and like Fortnite, I think is another game that really understands that by just really changing weird crap in it 
just to make it be like, look, this is like we added a gun, but who cares? There's a fucking crack in the sky, raining lightning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is what you're showing up for. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really interested. Is there much like Fortnite lore, like what's going on in the world there? Like why, like why they're in this area with the with the with the storm chasing them, or like what's going on with these cracks in the sky, or like there was like warps too at one point where you'd find there something a, and it would like throw you into the sky and you'd be skydiving again. There was a um, somebody I work with t- was telling me that the the burger, like the sign for the burger restaurant, mm-hmm. like they they built it in the real world somewhere and had people like take pictures with it for viral so whatever. Yeah. Roughly thirty years ago. When Fortnite launched as a, a normal game, it had a mode that was just save the world mode, which was before Battle Royale, which is funny. Yeah, yeah. It didn't even come over to the Switch version, which is kind of a bummer. But, you know, mm-hmm. literally nobody asked. But it, all the lore was there. It had a story. And you were like, there were, you know, the storm was this thing that brought these zombies and transformed the world into this bizarre landscape. Mm-hmm. And you were building to, like, fight these zombies with this robot that would help you build these things based on blueprints you found. Wow. And yeah it was this whole story and it was cool and it was narrated and it like it was really funny and uh nobody played it and yeah. they added battle royale and everybody played it yeah so yeah, yeah which they uh kind of like because it was because yeah fortnite was there and nobody played it and then there was PUBG that was huge right and then fortnite kind of borrowed from PUBG is what is what i hold heard of the uh Battle Fortnite Royale, and then, for, and, then, chicken dinner. and then Fortnite became the thing <laughs> you know so yeah definitely but man uh the save the world mode that was where all the story was and like again nobody you know nobody on switch is going hey why didn't you move save the world mode but it was great like for the 20 people that played it before battle royale showed up sure yeah i didn't know it had like yeah i had no idea i thought it was i thought it was created as a battle royale game sure the the 40 million people that that play you know battle royale on a daily basis Mm -hmm. i'm betting most of them have no idea it was ever there because it really didn't like like it launched, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard much about the like terrible development cycle that game had, but mm-hmm. uh, most people were sure it would never come out because all they showed was that save the world mode. And then it launched. It actually launched the same weekend. I lost my switch. Fun story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, it launched and it was it was great, but like no one really played it. And then uh, then they tacked on Battle Royale and it was. I think half the reason the Battle Royale thing clicked in the first place was because it was on PlayStation and PUBG was only on Xbox at the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it was like immediately people were like, well, I'll do this since I can't do that. You mm-hmm. know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Having a console presence for sure. I know. I'd really like to hear the story of how you lost your Switch. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> also, I, what, um, so I, I'm a cyclist. I ride to and from work it's like an 11 mile commute and uh for a long time i had this bag that hooked to the bottom of my seat it would hook to like the rails of the seat and the seat post and uh i biked all the way home from work one day and uh got home opened the seat and realized it had been open the whole time oh my god um and uh it was the only thing missing which people were like there's like there's you know of course the bizarre outside chance that somebody walked up and like unbuckled it at like a stoplight or something but uh that hardly seems possible either way i actually had like the worst day ever that day and rode <laughs> um and rode uh all the way back to work at like seven o'clock at night to try and find it because oh. i was 
like just insane with yeah. I don't know. Yeah, man, boy, upsetness. I would have done that, that Zelda, too. That Zelda save file. Huh? Well, we uh, we we've talked about. But you know uh, what happened though is that some kid whose parents couldn't afford to give him a switch at Christmas, he found it along the way, and so you did a good def- thing for the world. That's what that's, what that's definitely what I like to think. And hopefully, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't destroyed or anything, or, or fell out, or I don't know. We, we've talked before on the show about like what we would do if like we lost a system if our system was stolen or whatever. And especially with something like breath of the wild that you put like 150 hours in, I'm surprised that you even like tried it again. You know, if you were just like, Oh fuck legend of Zelda or fuck gaming, you know, like after that happened, I don't know. It's a hard, really hard thing to deal with, you know, especially with the amount of time. And I don't know what else you played on there as well before, before it got lost. Yeah. I mean, the other, the other thing is, is like, I actually, it was part of the reason I'm almost entirely digital now is because I had only three physical games and they were lost. Yeah. So one of them, mm-hmm. uh, was Breath of the Wild, which I did buy and I did dump more hours into digital mm-hmm. now. The other one was Cave Story, which I did not rebuy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hadn't really played much of it at all. So it's kind of like, you know, not a ton of investment. And then the other one was Binding of Isaac, which I had actually dumped like 110 hours into. No. And I, rebought just because and i've dumped like 90 more hours into it since because hmm. binding of isaac's great that's what i hear I really, for, for that reason i wish that there was some way that you know even if you bought a physical version these days you could still download the digital or have yeah. some kind of secured right to download digital in the future even if that means they have yeah. to pay like a, a ten dollar premium on the physical or something like yeah, that, some kind you know, of like fine. insurance or something. Yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe if there or if there was like a code or something that you could only use once. So you, but then I don't know stuff like that. Then you then you run into the possibility of you giving the code to somebody else, and maybe they lost a sale for that. I guess that's what 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 that is about. I mean, we've talked about it before. Yeah. Uh, where like Marvel, Marvel, like now, like you buy like a physical comic book and you get a digital download code, and you you know that's basically right. what I do with the Marvel comics that I get is I just put it, I just put it in my phone and I read it off the phone, but then I have a physical copy of it also that I throw in with all my other copies. Right. And I always thought that was really cool, but that's, I don't know, I guess that's less than a whole game doing that. Yeah. But it's like, say... it's like four, four or five bucks, mm-hmm. but they did that. I mean, they did that with portal Two, where you got like a free PC download of it on the PlayStation that's version, true. which that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. But yeah, you uh, see if they got, if they made it to where the only thing I could think is if they made it to where each individual copy could only work with your system once you registered it that way, mm-hmm. and then on, yeah. that would get yeah that would get rid of resale. Well, that was the Xbox One thing, right? Wasn't that the big the big thing with that? Yeah. Where they where they were like uh, uh, yeah, and 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 I remember PS4 like uh, or PlayStation was mocking them where they did that video where it's like here's how you here's how you share with your friend and it shows like uh, uh, yeah. The yeah, it was, shoe, it was shoe, funny hey, later like, on uh, when Xbox like did the uh, Xbox did like the um, they did the how to do crossplay video, mm-hmm. which was like the the same under in the same right? vein yeah. of like shade. Oh yeah, of just being of throwing them, yeah, giving them shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess well now yeah now PlayStation's under fire for that for not crossplaying mm-hmm. with the other systems, which I know people like through speaking of Fortnite, like a lot of people threw a fit about that that they couldn't bring their Fortnite onto Switch like from PS4. A lot of people were very mad about that. It's all sorts of videos, right. of people ranting and being like, "Fuck PlayStation," blah blah blah. The lesson is just buy Nintendo all the time. That's it. That's all you need. Yeah, <laughs> just get Nintendo. <laughs> well, I mean, I now I mean the Switch. There's so many games on the Switch that it's kind of hard to balance it between other systems. 
Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I play my Xbox uh, mostly just for games like Overwatch or like mm-hmm. I still like shooters on it because I, you know, I like them running as fast as possible. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even consider buying indie games on my Xbox or my PS4. It's mm-hmm. just always like, oh, well, of course, this will I'll buy this on Switch. You know, Flipping Death, which is another game I played it a yeah. bit of. Like that was on PlayStation, but I, you know, I immediately bought it on Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, th- this t- this topic uh, goes into what we got on our listener mail. So uh, I could read that email right now because Ooh, that's, that's basically what we what our question that we got from. Uh, and I and I emailed him back and told him that, we, that we'd read it on the show, and he was pretty psyched about that. So it's always it's always good to hear from to hear from a listener. So let me. Okay. So uh, Jeremy Rosal uh, emailed us and said. Hey guys, I just want to say I love the podcast, and it's nice being able to listen to some local guys talk video games. You make my miserable two-hour commutes in Chicago always so much better when you have something posted. I wanted your opinion on something, though. With Mega Man 11 coming out on all the platforms for $30, are you planning... Is it really that high? $30? Wow. Um, Are you planning on getting this on the Switch, or do you prefer playing this and other non-exclusive games on superior consoles such as PC or PS4? I feel like Mega Man won't be too much of a portable game, and I feel like it will run look better on my PS4. Let me know your thoughts. P.S. I try not to. I try to buy non-exclusive games for this reason, much like Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, Doom, or Wolfenstein. I only use my PS4 now for streaming, and some occasional FIFA. The Switch has way more superior exclusive titles and indie titles, in my opinion which I agree. But uh, yeah, that's uh, thanks for the email, Jeremy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, it was cool to get to have somebody reach out to us about that. Um, I think for Mega Man 11, you really don't need to worry because I don't think it's going to have any sort of major thing that won't be perfectly in there for the Switch as the other versions on that note. And um, yeah, I just thought of that because we were talking about uh, playing different systems and all that. And a lot of stuff I wait for on the Switch just because of this show and doing like streams and YouTube videos and all that. I just try to stick it to the Nintendo stuff just for um, just to use for content for the for the podcast and all that for me is like I have a PS4, but I really don't use it a whole lot. Like I mostly just watch Hulu and Twitch on it. Even though I am going to be using it in a week because Dragon Quest XI is coming out on that, and I can't wait for it to be on Switch, so I have to, I have to play it for that, which will be interesting because I'm going to try to do some streaming stuff through that. And for me, like a certain series like Quest Two, like Mega Man, I don't know. It's just because I've I, I grew up playing Mega Man on Nintendo. It just feels better on a Nintendo system. Mm-hmm. There's no logical reason for it. It's purely emotional. But yeah, that's that's why I would if I had another system, I would still get it on okay. uh, on the Switch. And and also I you know, I like the ability to play it in handheld. Sure. Uh, it's a the kind of game that you can pick up and play Mega Man and put it away ten minutes later, just play one level, have some fun with it and you know, put it back in your pocket or in your book bag or wherever. Uh-huh. Um yeah, that's why I would prefer I really don't have a choice. I only I've only got a switch, but yeah, yeah. Is it so? Is it coming to PC as well? Is that what he said? Um, well, he he said that he he was asking about like which, like if um, there was some stuff that was available on P on PC or PS4, being the superior consoles. If we got right, that right. on that, but Mega of Man switch. specifically, it, it's probably coming out for everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely going for the Switch. I mean, yeah, it's easy for me just because. Mm. Like like Trey, I don't ever play my PS4. It's it's a cool console, but I just don't ever really play it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in fact, now I've got a PS2, and I need to get a controller so I can play it. 
Yeah. Um, oh, the the superior console. The PS2. <laughs> right. That is the superior console in this case. But yeah. yeah. If, they, if Mega Man 11 came out for PS2, I'd get it for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, with games, I, I take a lot of things into account when buying a third-party game. Um, like, how is it going to control? What is it going to look like? How is it going to run? Um, and one is definitely like, am I ever going to finish it if it's not on a handheld? Like, uh, I'm not a big Dragon Quest fan but I'm interested in the series because it's coming to Switch because I'm like, man, I never finish JRPGs mm-hmm. on my TV for whatever reason. Like, I just I'll buy them there. And I I don't know. It's a lot harder to dump 100 hours into something that consumes your living room. Sure. But, uh, you know, games like like Doom Eternal, um, I'll probably buy that on my Xbox because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I want that running at like maximum everything. Sure. But a game like. Uh, you know, Mega Man 11, I'm like, that's probably going to run more or less the same on Switch as it is on everything else. So it's like, yeah, I don't I'm going to buy it on the place where I have a handheld. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I think and that's a big reason, I think, why the Switch is so popular is that like every game on it is potentially portable, you know, for the for the most yeah, part. And like, yeah, if I can, you know, if there's a version of it that I can play on my lunch break at a work at work and a version that only works when I'm at home in my living room, like I'm going to take the one that works at you know, for 15 minute periods at my work. So mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. It's the reason why it makes older games feel new again. That's why I think you know, a lot of the reason is that's why I think a lot of the older uh, indie games that came out in Xbox, say seven years ago, like limbo are finding a new home really comfortably on the switch. Cause mm-hmm. just by virtue of playing it in your hands, it feels new, even if you already played it. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. There's yeah, something novel about it and that's not to be dismissed. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, this game's way older, but, or like, yeah, like Skyrim that was like eight years old or whatever. It's like, oh, well, it's, well, it's portable the, uh, now. Here you go. So I remember when the Game Boy Advance came out and like all the Super Nintendo games were being ported to it. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I was buying all those old Mario games and playing them again just because they were portable, even though I already had them elsewhere. First, first Game Boy Advance game I bought was, uh, I think they just called it Super Mario Advance, but it was just Super Mario 2. Yep. The weird yeah. one where you yeah. throw oh, vegetables. Yeah, oh, yeah, all yeah. that confusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 where they messed up all the. Uh, yeah, that was such a weird. I thought that was so weird to start with two <laughs> and call it one. Super Mario Advance Four, Super Mario Brothers Three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or no, it was Super Mario Advance. It was like Super Mario Advance Four, Super Mario World Two, Yoshi's Island, or something like that. Yeah, that was one of the Kingdom yeah. Hearts shit. Oh yeah, yeah, like three forty-five <laughs> over two times twelve or whatever that one game was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I pretty much cha- choose everything for the Switch. Not be, and it's funny because I really don't play my Switch portable that much because I because I stream a lot off of it. So I pretty much, but I have like an office area that's just like pretty much my dedicated game area. So I watch. So like like I like I've been playing Ease Eight a lot, but I've not played Ease Eight portable ever. It's all I play it all in the all in the in, you know in the dock. So I don't know. Which I kind of wish that I just because I, I stream and put it on YouTube and that game I kind of wish I wouldn't have set myself into doing that because now I can't play it portable because everything I feel like I have to record every part of it because I'm mm-hmm. documenting it or whatever so you kind of screw yourself over in that and I've kind of fallen into a situation with that stuff where I'm like which games am I going to record and which ones am I not because whatever I decide not to record can actually be my portable ones so that's a whole another stupid thing when you start getting into streaming and capturing stuff or whatever where it's like you know you'll get limited to just doing the tv uh, let's not forget the dock on the Switch, which is awesome. If you if you have another dock, like playing around, playing in different places oh, in the yeah. house, I think for me is a really nice thing. Is I've got a TV in my bedroom, so I just like mm-hmm. when it's bedtime. If I don't want to play in portable mode, I can play on my TV in my in my 
better. Yeah. I like being able to move games around. Sure. Like that. 90 bucks for a second dock is a lot cheaper than 400 bucks for a second PS4. Mm-hmm. You exactly. want to move around your house. Yeah, yeah. No, that, yeah, I do like that. Like, well, I got mine, I got my dock for 70, but I got it used. But yeah, no, I have I have two docks for the same reason. I have one in my office and I have one in the living room. So if I want to play, you know, if I want to play in either places, it's so easy. And I like that. And I remember, and if like you, either of you guys came over, you could just pop your Switch into one of my docks and then all of a sudden your Switch is on the TV. Like it makes it very easy to like show people stuff or be like, hey, let's play this game that I have. And you don't have to worry about like switching wires and all that. Like that was another right. genius thing with the with the system they did. Is there, uh, are there other, any other games that, uh, that you want to talk about that you got in this week, uh? Daniel. First of all, thanks again, uh, Jeremy, for your question. Yeah, I really appreciate oh that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And thanks, thanks for the email. And I'm glad that it's cool that you're uh, from Chicago as well. Um, it's, uh, well, I'm from Chicago. Uh, Jeremy and John are, are not, but yeah, it's, it's, it's always nice to hear somebody listen to it on the train. I hope we haven't, I like I hope we haven't bored you too much. Yeah. I lived in Chicago for 10 years. Yeah. I've so. heard of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a nice place. I like it here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, feel free to email us on other other questions if, if, that you have. We'll, we will always answer them on the show. But yeah, no, I emailed them back and told them that I was going to read it on read it on this episode. So he's pretty pretty psyched about that. But uh, yeah, is there any other uh, games that you want to talk about for the week here, Daniel? That you've been playing? Uh, no, nah, I played some Morphe's Law. Not crazy into it. Oh yeah, let's uh, talk about that because mm. uh, I, I I touched on it briefly last last uh, episode. But um, just because our guest wasn't didn't play hasn't played a whole lot of newer stuff, I I didn't want to get into it too much. But yeah, sure. Mor- Morphe's Law. Uh, it's weird. It's a weird game. I don't know. It I, I kind of it it felt it kind of fell in the same area as like ukulele for me. I guess like I felt like I'd waited waited for it for so long that I kind I felt like I had to buy it. You know, when it came right. out, whether I thought it was good or not, and it's uh it's fine, I guess. But you know, compared to it's funny because when it originally like premiered in the mini direct, and I forgot to mention this last week, but, but, uh, they said like, Oh, we're doing this game that is not available on the Switch, you know, this four player online. And at the time it mm-hmm. wasn't, but that was before Fortnite was on there. And now Fortnite's on there. You know, it's like, it's right. like, it's like that game that was basically trying to be the replacement for Fortnite and they did a Kickstarter for it, but that never came out and now Fortnite's out. So I feel bad about that game. Like when it finally does come out where it's like, Oh, here it's our Fortnite. Uh, Fortnite's already out. No, oh, sure. right. And we I guess well scrap it now. <laughs> the reason why we had a sudden drop of this game is because maybe, you know, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like the game is not quite there. Like it's a little bit. Half yeah, and, and yeah. It's just mysterious that we didn't get the uh, warning. Hey, it's coming in two weeks or something like that. Yeah. It was just like, Oh, my impression is Fortnite came out for free and, you know, destroyed the world and all that stuff. And they just said, okay, we're just going to hurry it up, finish it up, and put it out there as is. We'll do some patches later. Mm-hmm. And they did, yeah, they did release game, a, a uh, patch. This game really needed, like, a preview or, like, a beta cycle. Sure, um, yeah. It's just, it's broken in a lot of weird ways. Uh, it You know, it doesn't run particularly well for being a fairly simple-looking game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, especially because paladins you know that launched and paladins runs great um it's you know it's no overwatch but like it runs really well for what it is you know i think it's like 5v5 morphe's or morphe's laws 4v4 doesn't mm-hmm. run well um as as a fan of shooters it just doesn't feel good to play it mm-hmm. uh the movement mechanics and like the gun firing and the weapons don't they don't feel rewarding you don't have that like feedback like you know you're hitting a target mm-hmm. uh like you know when you hit a target in 
in like Fortnite, you hear that that heavy thudding noise that like feeds back to your end in audio to let you know you're connecting. Mm-hmm. And there's always like some slight haptic feedback in the in the you know Joy-Con or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like there isn't that in Morphe's loss. You're just kind of like you know it's definitely spray and pray because you don't know what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's a really weird thing. So I'm like it's bizarre to launch uh, a first person shooter with zero warning mm-hmm. and. I don't know, or a third person shooter, but it just, it doesn't feel good. It feels really unfinished and it's really bizarre that it's there. Yeah. I think if, I think if people had been really desperate for a shooter, you're right. This would have like, this would have made more sense, Mm. but we've got options. Yeah. If they would have released it, they probably would have done better if they released it later, especially like in the vein of stuff like Splatoon 2 and Fortnite. It's kind of like, why bother? I mean, Morphe's, uh, Morphe's Law almost feels like, it would have been a fun game, like in the '64 days of like of like multiplayer stuff. You know, it seems like a lot of the modes that are on there would be stuff from like reminds me of like stuff from like Turok Rage Wars and stuff like that, where it's like uh, you know, like cat- yeah, it definitely <laughs> almost has like this uh, good Dreamcast kind of quirk to it mm-hmm. that like this would have made more sense in a different era, but right now it just doesn't feel. It, yeah, I don't know. The aesthetic and everything about it isn't like particularly gripping. It just, I don't know. It doesn't, it's a weird game. It's, how do you feel about wish, the, go, go for it. Uh, I was going to ask, how do you feel about the growing mechanic? Does that feel fully fleshed out to you or? Um, it's not like, it doesn't feel like something I see anybody use. Uh, the time to kill it is short enough that like you're not really concerned about having giant legs or a big head or a tiny Mm. body like Mm -hmm. none of that really feels like you're it lasts long enough you're mostly like all right i hit this guy to where he's small and i rarely see it to where that guy's like now i'm gonna take the smaller tunnels and no one can see me and i'll shoot you (laughs) usually it's like well he's small so i'll kill him and then he'll respawn as a normal shaped dude yeah or like someone will you know shoot me and i'll get small and i never think oh to to the tunnels to yeah. escape and it, it's just like <laughs> now that dude's just gonna finish the job and kill me now mm. so i don't know i haven't seen it like play out in any of the matches i played yeah so and i i I tried to put like i put like a solid three hours into it just trying to you know see if like because the progression system seems really flushed out mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of customization there and i was like cool it'd be neat to like level up enough to see any of this stuff take place but mm. um that also kind of feels dated in a day with like I don't know, games like uh, Splatoon and stuff where they have more options up front mm-hmm. um, and like that Call of Duty progression system where it's like, well, all the good guns are locked up till later. Like that doesn't I don't know that that feels good anymore. You know, yeah. like people are used to Fortnite and Overwatch and games where everything is ready for you at the start. You don't have an advantage for playing longer. Mm-hmm. You get good or you don't. Yeah. And uh, having something like this where it's locked up behind hours of play just feels shitty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I definitely felt that way as well. Because yeah, you got to pay play for a long time until you get another gun, and it's and you only have right. one gun, and that's kind of weird. Like a Splatoon did have where you would unlock stuff as you go, but you still got all the basic different types of guns from the beginning. Like you have the rollers right. and the snipers and the splat dualies or whatever else. But this mm-hmm. one's like, oh yeah, you got to get to like level, and it's pretty high. Like it took me forever to get to like level four, and I didn't. And I feel like I still haven't really unlocked that much. Like I think I got like a another secondary weapon, you know, like a secondary yeah. fire or whatever. Yeah. But on the uh, topic of the different sizes, one thing that I did forget to mention last week on that was when you're smaller, you can run, you can run faster, 
And when you're bigger, you are fairly slow. So in the levels where you, where the whole point is to steal the mass from the giant and add it to your giant, that does kind of incorporate into it. Because once you steal the mass, you're bigger and you can't move as fast. So it makes it difficult for you to get to deliver it to your base. But that's kind of like about as far as it goes, I think. Is it? Do you become that much easier of a target? Like, would you say that? I know that seems like an obvious question, but does it change like how easy you are to hit? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're bigger, I guess, but it's not like it's not like they hit you in the head and you're done quicker. I didn't feel like there was a difference depending on where you get shot. You know, when your head's bigger, and that's the thing is like, um, like the aiming doesn't feel so accurate that it really matters that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it does feel weird. I've referenced this like a billion times, but like Overwatch has, you know, tank and like attack characters and the tank ones are so much bigger that it's like, of course, they're a target because they're, you know, basically giant damage sponges on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Whereas like you never actually feel that way looking at this because everything's so inaccurate that you're like, well, I'm just kind of generally waving this gun back and forth anyways. I don't really care what size they are. Oh, a new guest. <laughs> my, my, my cat's like running around in here. So I was like, oh, come here, hang out for a second. But no, he took off. Yeah, oh, I was going to ask you, what do you think are the possibilities of uh, Overwatch ever making it to the Switch? Man, I've, it, you know, I've kind of learned not to rule anything out of the Switch. Yeah. It's like, it's like the, you know, ruling out what you'll find at a Goodwill. Like mm-hmm. You really can't say it. You know, if you'd ask me if, you know, doom eternal would have ended up on switch i would have told you no but, no, but doom eternal's is. ending up on switch so it's day like one too yeah day yeah. one so it's well, like panic man button. i really yeah. don't know i think they're gonna base it i don't know that rockstar is gonna be back on switch after la noir it's but, such a weird it's, it's such yeah. a weird game to that was yeah, such a weird game to, to use as a testing ground i understand that and jeremy and i were talking about this last night on the on the uh Splatoon, but it's such a weird game to start with. It's like, I understand that they were doing a remaster, I guess, on other systems, and they're like, oh, we'll release it with that, but I just don't understand why they wouldn't have just dropped his Grand Theft Auto in there. That's an instant sell. I mean, I know. People would have bought it. Like, they would have sold a even lot of it. Even if it wasn't five. Yeah. Even if, yeah, yeah, even if, older one. Even, even if it sure. was like three or something, I'm sure people would have still gotten it, you know, even if it was like fucking the uh, mobile version or whatever, you know, which hopefully they right. don't do that. But I think people still would have bought it just because Switch, it's, it's so cool that the popularity of Nintendo on the Switch compared to like the Wii is like the people who are here are actual gamers and actually want to buy games. It's not like they're just buying the Switch and one, two Switch and nothing else, you know, like they did with like right. the Wii. It's actually, people are actually hungry for games. So it's been like just very done pretty, it's been pretty great for anybody who puts a good game on there, a, a game that's worth playing, you know? Yeah. I, like. I honestly, I think Overwatch will happen on Switch. It's they, you know, if you just look at the language and how they've changed it, like, they once said, oh, well, that would never happen. And then, you know, recently somebody asked them again and they're like, well, it's feasible. Yeah, so, yeah, um, I think they clearly, you know, when they asked them the first time, there weren't 20 million switches in the wild. So it's definitely a different world. And that's a game that, you know, they're going to support for, you know, forever, probably because Blizzard does that with all of their games. They just keep them in the wild for all of eternity and never make sequels. Hmm. So it'll probably be around for a really long time. And I. I can't imagine it wouldn't show up on Switch at some point in that. Yeah, and that yeah, they did just say that it was possible. So I feel like they're toying yeah. with it and with the I mean, call panic button, right? They can do anything. <laughs> yeah. It, Everybody call panic button all of them. Yeah, it it, it it feels kind of funny because I know like the SquareSoft like on Final Fantasy 15, they said that earlier where they're like, "Oh no, it won't work on Switch." But I'm like, 
Well, you know, I think it might now if you call the right guys. I mean, I find it hard to believe that you couldn't do it on there in some versions, but yeah. Yeah. I for, I predict it coming out for the Switch and it not running as well and people calling it Underwatch. yeah well uh let's uh i want to do let me talk about a couple things that i got this week and then we'll take a break and we'll get into night trap about that um if you unless you guys have another thing that you want to get aside from our topic ish i've only played the topic yeah okay same besides octopath of course yeah i just i got a couple things in the mail that uh that i ordered a while ago i got uh I know we don't use all the video, but I got this guy. I got the, I got the Tyco drum. The Tyco drum. The, tri- oh, cool. the, ty- the Tyco drum for uh, for uh, Tyco no Tatsujin for for Switch. So I finally got to play around with that yesterday. It's a it's an interesting it's interesting to buy a plastic instrument again after uh, the years of not yeah. buying it. But I felt like I kind of had to just because uh, I you know I I like I'm somewhat of a drummer, not really play that often, but I like drum stuff and. Playing the sure. game with the motion control, I felt like I needed to do an actual, actually play it with the drum. And I, and I messed around with it yesterday. Justin and I played it for a minute and, uh, it works pretty well, but it's definitely what Jeremy was saying about the Tyco drum. Like you have to hit it harder for it to go. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, and then the, you have the giant, like, um, breadstick, uh, sticks and all that, which feel kind of weird, but, uh, how does it, it feel though? Does it feel like you're hitting just a plastic surface or is there a little bit of bounce to it, like a actual drum? I think there's a little bit of bounce to it. Like, I don't feel like I'm like, I don't feel like I'm playing a table. Like, I feel like there's a little bit of cushion to it, you know? So it does feel different in that way. It's loud. One thing that actually really surprised me about it is that it's wired. Like, I thought it was going to be wireless, but it actually, you have to connect it to the system. So that basically destroys yeah. it being portable in any way. <laughs> the uh, the drum yeah. the drum set. It has, to, it has to be hooked into the cradle. So it's like... Well, you can bring your switch on the train along with the long wire and the, your taiko drum and the sticks, and you know you need some sort of. On. Yeah. Oh, we play it on the like subway. To, like, you need some sort of uh, get some donations. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you would need to like bring a battery and hook up a TV or whatever and just play <laughs> it through that, you know. But yeah, it just it just gives me more reason to play uh, to play that game, which I do like that game. And there's a uh, there's some cool stuff on there. Like it, it very much. It very much reminds me of uh, Donkey Konga, and that's basically where I got it. It feels a lot like Donkey Konga, minus the clapping. You know, now it's just uh, just the drum. You can still but clap though. You can if you want, but it doesn't Maybe do anything. Like I thought about uh because I, I guess you know there's you can get like USB adapters for the GameCube. I actually already have one. Fuck, I already have one. I should try. I should try playing it with my uh, Donkey Konga with my with my bongos and see if it'll work. Because I think it might. I mean, I don't know. Try. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have to try that out. I, so I for- is it an independent? controller then it doesn't have you don't put the joy cons in it or something no it's a it's a independent controller completely oh okay i so, would love if they put some like secret programming in there to where you if you plugged in the usb adapter and your donkey kong bongos like spins around or something donkey kong appears congratulations you yeah. unlocked donkey kong <laughs> you 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 have, you have unlocked great. you have unlocked donkey konga 3 what all of a sudden there's a new release in there have you yeah have you tried playing another game with the drums? Not yet, no. I was saying uh, Dark Souls isn't out yet, so we can't uh-huh. do that, right? Where everybody's like, Excellent. Oh, I'll, I'll beat Dark Souls <laughs> with this controller or whatever. But no, I, yeah, it has. Uh, it basically has all of the abilities of... It's basically like your remade controller that you have, Jeremy, the, the mm-hmm. Super Nintendo one. It has a digital pad and the four buttons and a capture and home and LNR is basically what's available as buttons on the drum for you to use. And then Does it really and, have and then your colors on it? 
it, it's what it, no seriously I, if you are if you look at my instagram or twitter i uh, put up a picture of the uh instruction booklet that came with the game and it shows you like that you can put like sodas in the back of the it's so bizarre like i don't know why that's there yeah it's like you you can put a you can put bottles of soda and on there and i'm like what you would do that okay i, I guess they're trying to totally encourage you to like accidentally knock your soda so, over and uh, ruin your drum i don't know <laughs> i mean they're in or bottles you're gonna, you're gonna get it all like to where it's gonna explode because you're shaking it up yeah, yeah they're like they're like in you know closed bottles but still it's weird yeah but yeah no i i, I played around with that with that for a little bit it's nice to have a plastic instrument in the house again i guess <laughs> maybe it maybe it is or maybe it isn't i don't know <laughs> party like it's 2006 i'll add it add it to my uh i'll put it next to my plastic drum set for ps4 that I, or ps3 that i don't use anymore but yeah no it, it, it was just kind of one of those novelty things that i felt like i had to get so and it works works out fine and I, I guess i could try playing some other games with it too i remember playing uh didn't we play uh i, I think yeah yeah john and i in, in college i remember we played tony hawk with the bongos <laughs> and uh just just for the fun of it to see what you can do and i think all you can do is just jump and kickflip yeah because there's only two because there's only two buttons but we did do it we we played uh we played tony hawk 3 with uh with the bongos so that was yeah fun. i got I four million a... points it was amazing yeah <laughs> no you did i watched a uh i watched a dude play dark souls on a uh guitar hero guitar and ever since then i'm like man everyone you should try to play everything on every weird peripheral mm-hmm. ever <laughs> That's so metal. Sure. Yeah, we could do. Uh, I don't remember if we tried playing anything with the DDR dance pad on GameCube, but there's that too. You could try. You could try to play games with that with the DDR Mario Mix dance pad and try to try you to you play have like Wind Waker or something. Yeah. You have to combine the inputs from the bongos and the DDR pad. So you have to like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like for the people who played Punch Out right on the and on, to go, on the Wii. Go forward, yeah. you have to clap. So you have to keep clapping. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's kind of how, it's like, a uh, scope in there. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of how uh, Jungle Beat was, <laughs> you know, where you got to hit mm-hmm. the sides to run. That's a game oh, that's that I right. would love for them to re-release and make you make you get the Taiko drum to play it. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> they Re-hit re-released the... it for the Wii, right? They did, but then it was just, like, motion control and no clapping and all that. It's like, come on, man. You got to have the clapping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can do it, but it doesn't register anything. So I got that. Um, I also got records that I ordered like a million years ago i feel like i finally got the soundtrack to conquer's bad fur day and battletoads battle maniacs on and on album and on the record from nice. eight from eight bit dough and i feel like i think i recorded i think i ordered that like a year and a half ago so i was afraid that it got lost in the mail or something but i finally i finally got it i got that in the drum on the same day so i listened to the battletoads music which was written by david wise who wrote all the music for donkey kong country so it's pretty rad and I haven't, I haven't uh, listened to Congress Bad Fur Day yet, but I know that. I mean, they, I got digital codes for those, so I've listened to the soundtracks on my computer, so I know exactly what they sound like. But uh, you know, of course, the Great Mighty Pooh and all that fun uh-huh. stuff is on there, and it's and it I is. Just, I just in my head, I see you going Great Mighty, like scratching it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Doing a DJ thing. Yeah, and it, it's a, and it's definitely it's a 64 version. It's not like the re-released Xbox version or whatever, which is what I was kind of afraid of. I want the one. I want the original soundtrack for the 64. Sometimes you get different stuff for that. The record's just like covered in fur because mm-hmm. it's like the improved version. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's got more fur mechanics. So I got that. And also, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but the Messenger is out for pre-sale. I think I mentioned that, but I, I went ahead and bought yeah. that because that game I got was it pre-ordered. Yeah, I got it pre-ordered and uh, you got the message. 
And uh, it's it actually it's on sale now. I like this whole like stuff being on sale before it comes out thing. That's that I think that gives you more reason to get it. Like because it's like the pre yeah. the pre order sale bonus. I think it's like twenty percent off. So it's only like it's only like fifteen or something like that. So I just went ahead and get it got it because that game looks awesome. Like I think it looks very I think it like looks very cool. And I like the whole idea of like being able to time travel between different graphical styles and all that. So when it went ahead and preloaded that, and that'll be out next week. So. We'll have that. Ninja Gaiden, I mean. We'll have that to talk about as well. And also, uh, that, there's not a whole lot of news that I know of from our last show, but apparently there's another Nintendo Mini Direct, is what you were saying, John. What the yeah. fuck, yeah, man? On the 28th. It's like, come on, yep. guys. Uh, haven't, too much. Haven't we seen? An, yeah, it's like we already got a British one. What's the American one going to be? Is there going to be what more I'm wondering. Is it just going to yeah. be the same one without the British accent? Yeah. 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 Right. They, Sigourney they Weaver is going to narrate it. Mm-hmm. They they made a note to say it'll be uh, unannounced games, so okay. it must be different from the British one. But mm. I'm kind of living in like fear of more surprise drops because yeah, right? I'm like I've got a billion games to play, and I have a feeling they'll just be like, and guess what? Here's 14 games out right now. They're yeah. Like, oh, thanks. I'm in I'm in the same boat where I have like a I have a lot of like I mean I really like indies and. uh I have a lot of indie games that I still like. I never beat Celeste. Like I still want to get through that one, and or I never finished like a uh, the Curse of the Moon Bloodstained game. Like I wanted to finish that one too. Like there's a bunch. I have Dan. I have Dandara. I haven't even played it. It's on there. It's just sitting yeah. on my on my shop. And I've like at this uh, point, I feel yeah. like I'm in an abusive relationship with Nintendo, where I'm like, you know, stop it, but give me more. Oh sure, yeah, <laughs> too much. Yeah, it's but there- too much, but I love it. Keep it coming. Yeah, but the, I mean, there's like 20 games out a week, which has been happening since like the game, since like the very beginning, I think like since like the first month of that, you know, it's just constant releases, which is fine. But it's at the same time, it's kind of like, give me a break, man, like two two directs in a week or like, you know, two weeks in a row with a direct. That's kind of crazy. But that, I'm sure there'll be some crazy indie game that I forgot that I love that's that's released now and I'll end up getting it anyway because, uh, you know, because they've got got a hold on me. Like those, like those augers in our in our topic, which we're going to talk about <laughs> later. But uh, but yeah, if uh, if we don't have anything else to say about that, let's take a real quick break and then we'll get in and talk about Night Trap. Sure, thing. sounds good. All right, cool. Therefore, when, when I see uh, um, the, uh, the obvious sexual aggression against the woman in Night Trap, which kids uh, do have access to, um, I, I worry that uh, we're not only perpetuating the gender uh, stereotypes we talked about in terms of skills, but we're running the risk of increasing the probability that these boys who are playing uh, these games are going to be more sexually aggressive and abusive as a result of the experiences they've had with the games.
Is that your terraformer shirt? It is my terraformer shirt. It's one of the nice. If you if you want to if you we were talking about weird bad movies, are you familiar with Troma at all, Dan? No, they're actually on Amazon Prime. If you have a Prime membership, they have their stuff is streaming on there. But Troma is an independent uh, movie company from New York who just mostly make they're basically the punk rock of movies is what is what I refer to them as. Like they make overly offensive movies that are anti like. Uh, uh, mega mega conglomerates, as Lloyd Kaufman would say, and, and anti like uh, big business and big movies and that type of thing. And I was uh, just telling somebody about them yesterday, and how yeah. you made that same comparison to the yeah. punk rock of yeah. independent movies. Yeah, and I, I think they're amazing. Totally they make true. they make cheap, low budget movies. They're uh, best probably best known for the Toxic Avenger. They created him. And, oh, okay, uh, yeah, 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 and uh, and also. Uh, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone came out of came out of uh, Troma. Well, they they were um, their first movie, uh, Cannibal the Musical, was produced by Troma. And also, uh, James Gunn was a Troma writer before Guardians of the Galaxy and and all that shit. Which is sucks that he got fired now. And Lloyd Kaufman's been on a huge crusade to try to get him rehired as well. He's been, but he's also like talking shit at Disney because he hates like giant companies and all that. But it's cool to see him on that side. Lloyd Lloyd is the director slash president of trauma he's actually in on my shirt because he plays a character in terraformer right there but terraformer is like one of my favorite movies of all time it's just a it's like a movie about a movie about them making a trauma movie oh, and there's he's a, a blind director yeah he is a blind director yep. which they did before the woody allen movie it, that was that came out before that uh awful woody allen blind director movie but uh yeah if you can get a hold of it on uh on like prime or uh or like, you know, you can find there's actually an R version on YouTube that <laughs> that Troma posted that you can watch, which is pretty hilarious. That has all the oh, uh, has yeah. all the stuff. At which don't that's, ever don't ever watch an R version of a Troma movie. That'll cut a lot of the yeah. fun out of it. But <laughs> you know, but there is a deep deep rabbit hole you can go down. I mean, I don't know how yeah. many like hundreds of movies they've put out. I mean, yeah. they've produced they, they, they produce a lot uh, of indie stuff. Movies, but yeah. they actually put out other people's movies too. Mm-hmm. How and, do you uh, how do you yeah. how do you spell that? Is it just the word trauma or trauma? Is that T- what you're it's saying? It's a T R O M A. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like tra- I know uh, trauma dot com. That's uh, you know, or like trauma movies, trauma team. Uh, there's actually a commercial for trauma in the middle of Terraformer, which I think is amazing. Just because <laughs> just because it's very much a meta movie, and uh, we actually, uh, you know, speaking of Night Trap. Night Trap actually, well, Night Trap is our topic, but Night, Night Trap does kind of remind me of Troma because, uh, yeah, because the, there's a part in Night Trap, the game, where they just all of a sudden start singing the Night Trap song for no reason, the theme song. And there's a part in, in Terraformer where they do that too, where they just, where it just turns into a music video for a second. And it even has in the corner, like it says, like Lunachicks, whatever, like they, because Lunachicks play a song in the middle of the movie for no reason. And it's very much like obscure <laughs> like that, but weird, but yeah, no, if you like, if you like weird ass horror movies and you like like gore and stuff like that, definitely check out drama movies. They're, uh, they're excellent. And they're like, uh, they're kind of almost like their own genre. They're just like this low budget over the top, uh, super bloody, super violent, lots of nudity, like male and female. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, fun stuff, <laughs> but there's, but there's always a message under all of it, you know, <laughs> and verse, uh, you know, of, uh, of like a, you know, um, I, I've always felt like they were the first ones to. They had a lot of like uh, homosexual characters and like different, you know, making more what was considered extreme at the time, like a part of that. You know, it's always about the little guy and and I I, I love the, like the Toxic Avenger in itself is a pretty amazing movie. Just it's just like a parody of all the Marvel stuff before anybody was really doing Marvel stuff. You know, 
I mean, the to- right. he's pretty much a the Toxic Avenger is kind of almost like a parody of the Thing from the Fantastic Four, like which is one of my favorite superheroes. But same sort of thing where like you have this hideous like a uh, you know hideous uh, superhero. He even has a blind girlfriend, which is uh, totally a parody of uh, of the Fantastic Four, which the Thing also had a blind girlfriend. So it's very much like in a Stan and Stan Lee and Lloyd Kaufman are friends. Actually, Stan Lee has been in a couple trauma movies. Like I know he did the voiceover for Toxic Avenger Four like the opening narration. And he's also in the remake of class of Newcomb high. So they're, they're like buddies and they've done. done oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've watched, I've watched a uh, class of Newcomb high. Okay. So, so you've seen that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that, that one actually was done after the toxic Avenger and has a lot of the same actors in it. But I was actually, I figured, I thought that I might see uh, some trauma actors in night trap just because, you know, indie same actors vibe. in the eighties, you never know. Like, cause uh, like, I don't know if you've seen the movie street trash, but there's some trauma actors in that movie, and it's not a trauma movie. But that's another excellent one to see if you haven't seen it. Oh, you know, I've wanted to, I've wanted to find a place to watch that one because isn't, isn't that the one about like, is that the one about the crazy alcohol street trash? I think so. Is that yeah, what I'm of? yeah, yeah. It's just it, it, face, it basically feels like a trauma movie, but not by trauma. But I know the guy right. who played the, the guy who played the mayor in the Toxic Avenger, he's in that one as well. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's just like you know, super crazy. 80s style movies, you know, but they're still making movies. I've been watching, uh, yeah. Lloyd Kaufman has an Instagram. I mean, he has, he's all over the place, but I've been watching his Instagram because they're filming, uh, their version of The Tempest right now, the, the Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Shakespeare play. Yeah. Have you seen any of that? Cause man, they got some insane effects going on in that movie. Like, I don't want to spoil any of it, but the last one that he posted was like, holy shit. Like, I, I would love to see how this is brought into the story. So yeah, those guys are great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Terraformer. Is there is there a new penis monster or something? Uh no, actually. It's weirder than that. It's uh it's weirder than that. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I don't I don't wanna <laughs> I don't wanna explain it, I guess. I, I say just find it. Go go to Instagram, look at Lloyd Kaufman's Instagram and just find it. See if you can see some they've been posting a lot of like uh footage from the from the movie that they've been filming. So I'm really excited. I'm really interested to see what happens, what becomes of that movie. And it probably won't be out for another two years because they're a low budget company, so it takes them a while to edit stuff. But yeah, but this is this is like my favorite movie, and I had this I had this shirt custom made. Actually, it's a uh, this is the this is the picture that they're using for the Terraformer Blu-ray that isn't out yet. So then I and I found this picture on on Lloyd Kaufman's Instagram and just made a T-shirt out of it. So <laughs> you know, and, and now it, in, in today's day, in, in the day and age today, now you can make your own shirts, which is awesome. Make like your you can own find damn it cool. shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the book Lloyd Kaufman wrote a book called Make Your Own Damn Movie. So, yeah, that's my my trauma tan- you tangent. Br- you but. should wear that shirt, and then next time you see him, you should bring like a photocopy of his book and have him sign it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> instead of the instead of him having signed, I made the book. my own damn book of your book. Yeah, and my own shirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the trauma tangent. But I, I think I'll use all that anyway. But because it totally has to do with our topic, Night Trap, which is now mm-hmm. out. I know uh, Jeremy and I and John have played it. You haven't gotten around to it yet, Dan, right? No. But we can still you, uh I think have we you can ever s- played it? <laughs> no, but I've watched a bunch of it on YouTube. Oh. Got uh, it. Okay. Back before I knew it was ever getting re-released because it was one of those games that lived in infamy, so you mm-hmm. were definitely like, "Oh, I got to see what this looks like." And like no one you knew owned it, you know. So, yeah, and it's one of those things that like I only saw it on YouTube like, you know, a few years ago. And when you're watching it then and you're like, oh, this was the offensive video game. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, after the fact, it seems pretty silly. But, yeah, the the history on that game is so fascinating. 
Yeah, I don't understand yeah. – uh, because I remember a mutual friend, uh, John John and ours, uh, Chris Leeson, like I remember I was talking – for some I, I made some sort of joke about Night Trap like at a, a game party or something. That I think it was when I had a – I had a Marvel vs. Capcom 3 party where I had a bunch of people over when it released and we just played the game. And uh, somebody said something about Night Trap and he's like, oh, no, that game's really not offensive at all. Like it's, <laughs> there's not really anything – because yeah, I know no. people said like that there there was like a rape game or something like it hurt all this stuff and looking at it now it's like what was the offensive part of it I mean it's like I don't know it's honestly like a, it could pass yeah. for PG I no mean, there's no yeah there's no real honestly. blood in it at all like there's I mean there it's like a there's like a slumber party I guess and there's some girls singing the theme song but that's about as crazy as we get you know it right. feels almost Nickelodeon to me like yeah like right horror. Yeah. It's just goofy, yeah. Like yeah, like, on, uh, are you afraid of the dark? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good comparison. Yeah, mm. yeah. My, well, I guess I have probably the most experience out of all of us with this mm-hmm. game. My experience. Yeah, you're the one who's giving advice. Sure. Yeah. I, when I was in fifth grade, I had a friend who had a Sega CD, and uh, I remember very briefly playing it once at his house, and more so, I was just watching him play it. So that was where it began. But then I, about four years ago, I downloaded it again. Uh, I downloaded it on a ROM and I played it on my computer. And funnily enough, I actually played it with my NES controller. I used the USB NES controller. Mm-hmm. So I was playing a Sega CD game on my computer with my NES controller. And uh, yeah, I played through it for about, probably, I would say, three, four hours at least mm-hmm. at that time. And that's when I really started to get an idea of what the game was about. And I actually, I enjoyed it then. And I downloaded it again uh, the other day. And uh, you know, I still enjoy it. Honestly, I, I think... The game has gotten a bad rap. First of all, I guess it's because when people first played it, they were expecting it to be a game, and it's really more of an interactive movie. It's just so, it's just somewhere in between game and movie. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you look at it from that perspective, and plus from the perspective of a cheesy horror film, then it starts to become enjoyable. Yeah, I would say walk into the game with no expectations. Just take it for what it is. Understand that its central mechanic is a little bit broken. You're going to have to lose at the game in order mm-hmm. to get better at it in order yeah. to to start making progress so once you understand understand that just you can start having fun with it and i i really did i played it for about about two hours last night maybe mm-hmm. two and a half hours and i played wow. it again a little bit this morning mm-hmm. i like it i want to and now you have so can- and now you have it on the go i, w- I want to talk about uh i want to talk about jeremy and i's like first experience with it like as never playing the game before uh, and uh, let me tell you, it's really not. And Jeremy and I talked about this last night on, on the Splatoon stream, but it was like a. It's really not. It's not a pro- approachable game at all. Like I, I had, I played through the game like twice. Well, I game over twice before I even figured out what the fuck I was supposed to do. And mm-hmm. it really doesn't. Like, there's a little opening movie, I guess, where they kind of talk about that somebody's getting kidnapped or whatever. And this was like the early '90s, so I guess that wasn't really in there. But there's no tutorial. Like they never tell you like what does what and. It took me forever to like figure out the fucking like colors and like you have to hit it at a certain time. Like yeah. serious, I, I like played through it in game over like probably like four times before I, I finally started to figure out what was happening. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, what's, wh- what's up with like yeah, the central mechanic of the game is confusing in in the sense that the, in the opening cinematic they show the villain of the the story. You you think that's the villain trapping everybody and killing them. Then all of a sudden you're trapping everyone. You're the villain. You're not yeah, trapping yeah. the same people, but <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Like about you know, that. why are, why are you do why do you take the role of the bad guy immediately? <clears throat> yeah, right. So yeah. what it is, and you, you you can only understand it by playing it again and again. Like I said, you can also read. There's a little bit of a text 
aside from the game if you want to read and I think it's in the options menu or something. It's Just, in it's um, in the uh, it's a little on, bit of setup for it. It's on the title screen. Like you can go to yeah, uh, to, which I read that and I felt more confused actually from reading that. the The way that the the way that I figured out how to do it was playing the survival mode. You know, like there's a survival mode where you basically right. try to capture as many as you can, and and then if you miss one, I guess you you get a game over and you got to start over again. But in the capture mode, it tells you what color you're supposed to be on. To capture right. them, and that's the first time I actually was able to set a trap. And the whole right. color mechanic, I wish they would have just thrown that out completely. Like, I really – it would be – I mean, I guess maybe they wanted you to have to play it longer because of that, I guess. But it really sucks when you're doing really, really well at just doing this timed trap thing, and all of a sudden they change the color, and you, you don't know what the fucking color is. And there's, like, six different colors to choose from, and you just fucking die because you can't figure out what the next what the next color is. Like, it's – I don't know, maybe there's a better way to do that, but that was like in, in, incredibly frustrating to me. Uh, See, trying I, to I haven't like even gone game. back. Yeah, I haven't even gone back and played it now knowing that. I got, I think it was 22. I captured like 22 without understanding the color mechanic. Now, I was switching the colors. Don't get me wrong. I was like spamming the that button the whole time I was playing. But yeah, mostly I just felt like I was going button mash, button mash, button mash, button mash. Mm-hmm. And yeah. completely missing the story because right. I had to keep going to all the rooms where the bad guys were. So I'm like, well, occasionally I would go to a different room and like, they would be talking to the camera. Like, are you operator? Are you? And I'm like, Oh shit. I no, I'm sorry. I missed that. I was mm-hmm. catching bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how the game really breaks down is you have uh, the color that you're, 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 you've hacked the security cameras mm. in this house. These people have invited these teenagers over for a slumber party. Their daughter invited them over. And that's that's sort of the setup. But what's really happening is they're trying to attack these girls because they are in cahoots with these vampire creatures called augers. Yeah. And so what they intend to do is trap the girls and steal their blood. And they, in their house, they use these traps to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. But you are a member of the SCAT team. <laughs> uh, that, that's what it is. S-C-A-T. It's like stars, um, sort of. Yeah. Uh, Poor name choice. Would you say you're the the scat man? Hold on, guys. Um, Let me set this trap before I before I I'll scat for a while. Yeah, and this is a trap. <laughs> so you've hacked their camera system, and you're able to swap between the different cameras in the eight different rooms in the house and see what's going on. So two things you have to do: one, you have to listen to what the villains are saying. Because at different times, they're going to change the color code, which is the access to the security trap system, red to blue to green to whatever. And then once you're on the correct color, you can activate the traps around the house. So you're also, and while watching the story and listening for the, the color code cues, you're also watching the other cameras to see when the augers are sneaking around the house and mm-hmm. when they're nearby a trap. And then you can hit the trap button if yeah. you have the correct color yeah. selected. Yes. Right. So... That's the basic setup. Where problems come in design-wise is that you're in conflict constantly between watching the story for listening for the color cues mm. and also going to activate the traps. So if you see an auger over here on this camera, you're going to switch over there and try and trap him, but you might miss the color change, and then mm-hmm. you don't know what happened. Next time you go to, to trap somebody, it just doesn't respond. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing is that there's no real indication on your first time playing through where the traps are so you just have oh, to no, spam yeah. the trap button well you have anytime to, you see an auger 
and yeah. hope that he's going to walk nearby a trap. It'll give you a little audio cue when mm-hmm. he's well. It, uh, there's also by the trap. There, there's also the blinking. Um, the, there's that blinking color that will change from yellow to red, and then you hit it on red, which is how <laughs> oh, I actually I missed that. I forgot about that. Okay. They do, yeah. It also in the opening cinematic shows you where some of the traps are. It, that's true. Yeah, it does. Confusing. Yeah, when you're the evil okay, guy yeah, that's right. that's throwing all um, the. Now let me. But it, it's a lot to take in all at once on your first playthrough, mm-hmm. and you're definitely not going to get it. So you have to be willing to lose a bunch of times until you kind of learn how to monitor each of the different cues and listen for the story. And yeah, essentially, it's it's it boils down to almost a game of memory mm-hmm. where you got to just memorize what to do when. And when the when the color cues are going to be changed, you got to look at the time code and say, "Oh, it's five minutes and twelve seconds." I know I got to be in the living room to listen to the different color change. By the way, the colors they aren't going to be the same in every game; they switch up randomly. So, oh, do they? At five twelve, it might be a change to blue in one mm. game, but the next game is going to be changed to purple. Oh, because every once I figured out how to do it, it was always blue for the first like I don't know, like first like thirteen guys that I captured, and then after that, yeah. it was a different color. So that's why yeah, I kept like dying at like first, thirteen. It sets you on the right color for the first five minutes. Okay, and then after that, that's uh, why maybe. I did so well. Yeah, because I uh, the highest uh, I know Jeremy, you got higher, but I think I. I uh, 19 was the most that I caught. So I don't know how in the scope of the whole game, how well that is. And I think I only lasted for about like eight minutes. I like when you catch them outside. That, that was, how about that? Spring it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't, I wasn't able to like, do that. No matter what, like when you go outside and catch them, no matter what they're doing, it just flip, switch to that video of them going, <laughs> throw them off the roof. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah they very much, uh, speaking back of like trauma movies or trauma inspired movies, the, the augers very much remind me of neutered man from uh, orgasmo. If you've seen that movie, uh-huh. like kind of the way he the like slime, the way he like slinks around and he's like, you know, like it reminds, it reminds the, me of him. So one of the cool things on this setup that uh, limited run and, and screaming villains produced with this, new edition is they have documentaries and one of the documentaries goes into why they walk like that. It's because mm. they're all, they're stuntmen and they're walking, they had to walk carefully because they were about to actually walk onto a real trap where the oh, floor yeah, yeah. would fall. Yeah, you can and see so they, it on the floor if you know where it's at. Yeah, yeah. Themselves. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, that's interesting, yeah. Because yeah. I, I know that like there's some of them that are like traps in the floor and when it closes you can still see the outline of the trap there and then they walk you know, they walk over it or whatever. Which I can't I'm, help but what the, while I was playing it though, I couldn't help but think of how, how hilarious it is. How many people are in this house at any given time? Like, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people. You really, in there. you really don't notice that there's like eight people walking around you all in the house while you're here in the living room. Like. Mm. But they're sneaking around like that with that super secret auger walk. That's why you don't. <laughs> right, you don't. and the people start showing up with the like, like the guns and stuff. You're like, all right. There's all these trap doors going and steam and. Yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> I guess the music's really loud that you're singing. Yeah, when they when they when they break into song, that's all. Uh, and I was so upset that I missed that part because it's very much like it reminds me of like Star Fox Guard or like uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, where you like go from one security camera to another to figure out. And I'm yeah. sure all that was inspired by Night Trap, hopefully. But uh, yeah, you go from one thing to another, and I would just keep switching to try to find the try to find the augers, you know, to trap them. And in that, and as doing that, I wouldn't see what was going on in the regular story. And thankfully, yeah, they have so, an option where you can just watch that on there in the in the uh, basement, which is like the uh, the extras area. But um, yeah, it's uh, but when I would that song, like I caught the very very end of it, and I was like, oh wait, no, I know that song because I had listened, I put it in a previous podcast, like that song, and it'll be in this one too. But uh, 
it was like I heard the very end of it, and I was like, oh, wait, no, wait, they they sung that song, the Night Trap theme? I thought that was just going to be at the beginning of the game or at the end of the game, but yeah, no, they right. have this weird impromptu, like, where they just start singing, <laughs> and yeah, and they have the, 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 the tennis racket guitar and all that shit. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's, at, it's at about four minutes in, in, in the living room, and, you know, if you do want to watch the whole thing, I think only, like, two augers are creeping around during the duration of the song, so you you don't miss that many if you want to watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, then one other thing I will say is that this new edition adds a, a display element that really improves the, the quality of the gameplay. And that uh, previously on the Sega CD version, all the older versions, all you had for the security camera screens at the bottom, uh, your previews were just thumbnails. They were static. Mm-hmm. But now they've updated it to where each is actually a streaming video. And mm-hmm. so you can see, oh, there's someone in the living room right now. Just to, you know, I, I imagine that they probably wanted to do that back in the day, but they just didn't have the, the technical ability. Mm-hmm. You are watching security cameras after all, and they should be live. And it makes a huge, huge improvement to the gameplay. So I would say anybody playing this who's like got that old school pride of like, oh, I got to play it the original way, you know, hang that up, play that, play it that way once or twice, then hang it up and mm-hmm. play it the <laughs> yeah. new way because it's so much better. Yeah, it it does help to see. Yeah, because then you can, because then it is kind of more like Star Fox Guard, where you can look look at everything at once, and you're like, oh, something's going on over here. Let's see what's happening here, or yeah. it'll be like, oh, here's one of those, here's those guys sneaking around over here. And I think it's supposed to be, you're supposed to know the locations of where the cameras are, also, because especially with the augers, like they'll they'll leave the room and then go into another room, and if you know yeah. where which one to switch to, you can follow them like on there. You can follow them, yeah. As they're going through there. So there's it's very much it was very much made in a time where they expect you to play this game over and over and over again with no help whatsoever. And that'll give right. you that'll you like, be the reason then, for how I understand doing that as a kid. Like I would have I would have played the hell out of this game. Mm-hmm. Try and figure it out. You'd write down mm-hmm. all the times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it well, it's like tell your friends at the playground. Oh, this is where that auger is at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Create let create like urban legends like on the right. playground. Like if you go oh, yeah. at this time, you switch this camera, you see a girl's boobs real quick. Yeah, yeah. I could see somebody saying Definitely that about be that in game. Bathroom at seven minutes and thirty-eight uh-huh. seconds. Man, that, that you won't regret happened. it. Well, that's, that's probably where the controversy came from, right? Where where everybody thought it was like all, oh my god, because some kid in a playground was like, oh no, there's a shower scene, or like, or like this girl gets like brutally killed by the auger or whatever, you know, which doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. But which yeah. as we all know, it looks like the deaths are just a, a death of Christmas it's lights so and dry ice. Yeah, yeah, they just get thrown into the fog room or whatever. That's basically what happens. Yeah. I like and the most one. Most of the violence happens completely off screen. Yeah. So the the augers they use these like I mean they almost look like in the old like vaudeville uh, comedy routines when someone would grab a hook and like <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah right. off stage it's it, like exactly like that they grab them around the neck and then they just kind of lead them off stage to presumably their death do whatever um, to pull their blood out blood yeah. they have like this thing this tube that shows blood going through it but you know, again in, in that documentary which I really recommend watching the director of Night Trap says that Hasbro who produced the game, required that there be non-reproducible violence. Originally, they were supposed to be ninjas, not not vampires. Oh, wow. Uh, but they thought that, you know, ninjas, that's something that kids could actually pretend to do, get a knife or whatever. They didn't want to do that. So they had to make it so off the wall and fantastic. That's where they got the vampire idea. That's where they got the weird gun neck blood drawing thing. 
mm-hmm. their whole concept was that this can't be reproduced feasibly yeah. mm-hmm. by by children. That's why they made it so ridiculous and over the top. Yeah, and although okay, kids so- could totally push someone down the stairs. <laughs> That's true. What I bet they felt stupid when all those kids were drinking each other's blood. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, one one of the one of the most ridiculous traps, like speaking of like knocking them off screen or whatever, is there's one where you can trap the augers and it's just like these uh this like see through plexiglass just comes in and traps them in the middle of a hallway and they're just right and they just are there and they then they're dis and then they just disappear and it's like and that's I'm like wow okay they the don't even go off screen they're just stuck in this plexiglass thing. I thought that was pretty hilarious. The, they bang uh, on the glass and then they drop through the floor. Mm-hmm. It's it's so cartoony, especially like as you were saying how they go from one room to another and you can kind of follow them. Mm-hmm. So if you go up in the hallway at around nine minutes or so, to me it always reminds me of that sort of uh, cliche shot in cartoons where you ever see like in Scooby Doo when they're chasing an enemy from one oh, yeah, room yeah. to another, they're just going and through they, doors. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly like that. You just see the characters running around the hallway being chased by an auger then this person goes through the hallway like it's it's so outlandishly cartoony that that anybody who found it offensive i just can't imagine it's 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 entertaining to think that this was considered real violence Mm -hmm. way back in 1992 for sure yeah and yeah one of my favorite ones is the one with the bed like where the bed like flips and they go into the fog and all that yeah it is it is totally like tame g like it could be on cable or whatever but i mean just imagine how thick the walls have to be in this house with those giant like bookshelves and stuff that extend out like yeah like, man like, oh when yeah you go into like a bedroom you, the, the the door frame must be like four feet thick mm. and yeah and there's like there's like flipping there's like yeah the flipping uh bookshelves and stuff uh what, what i wanted to mention i don't know if they say this in the documentary but the but the director he's like a he, uh, james w wiley or is it riley mm-hmm. Riley, um, yeah, James W. Riley. He's actually a professional um, uh, uh, special effects guy now. Uh, he's uh, he does visual effects. Like he worked on uh, like Ray Donovan and uh, Twenty Four and t- like a bunch of different TV shows. So he's still in the industry. The guy who directed Night, Night Trap. So <laughs> there you go. Jeremy got kidnapped by augers. That's why he left earlier. Hopefully he'll be on next week. Yeah, the uh, yeah the director. He has, he's a. Uh, uh, Looks like he's done a bunch of yeah visual effects supervisor. He's he's been on on a bunch of different shows, and all that. Yeah, worked, worked on like the cinematographer Ken- is the same guy who shot Forrest Gump. Yeah, wow. So they so they did want to go on to do some different things in the end, right? But um, it's a uh, I totally recommend playing it if you're into like weird '80s movies. It kind of reminds me of uh, the Friday the Thirteenth movies, but like minus you know all the Jason and the killing, you know. It's definitely like the same sort of setup where it's like, you know, all these, it's like, yeah, like uh, people staying at a camp, like fucking around. And then uh, unbeknownst to them, there's somebody walking around who's like picking people off one by one. It's kind of how it is. But minus all the fun violence that you would get in a Friday the 13th movie. It's just like, yeah. I already already bought it, but would you recommend it to someone who wants to own it in the same vein that you would own like just campy VHS horror? Oh, like if oh all totally. You, yeah. If all you wanted to watch was like the cutscenes and stuff and kind of have it for the documentaries, like is it oh, does yeah, it yeah. own up on its own merit without actually being played that much? Oh sure, yeah. And you don't even have so. to you don't even have to unlock that stuff, which is which is great. It's available from the start. Like you can watch you can watch like all the cutscenes like without playing the game. So if you just want to watch it for complete campiness, you can do that. And uh, no, you do have to unlock it. 
No, you don't. Yeah, yeah. It's already on there. Or, or is it? Or is I it? I tried to. I tried to play it, and it told me that I had to beat the game to watch oh, all the scenes. Okay, yeah. never mind then, because I know you can go to the Just basement. Go on YouTube. Yeah, I know you can go to the basement and look at it, and I didn't watch any of it just because I wanted to play the game. And but yeah. I but it, it all it said it all there, so I thought you could select it. It's yeah, you have to unlock that movie theater mode, and then also there's production stills, which I, which um, you have to do certain things to oh, okay. unlock the production stills, which is like again it's a simple addition, but I think it's kind of cool mm-hmm. that they went to the trouble of doing that and give you some incentive to not only play the game once and beat it, but try different things. Mm-hmm. Like trap Lisa on purpose in the hallway. Yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to things like that. Yeah. Can Can you trap the non augers? Is that possible? You can. How do you do that? You can. Um, it's only a certain certain scenes, which which again is another design flaw. Like if you try to trap the kid who's out in the hallway by the exit on the first floor, I haven't been able to trap him. But right. other players, other characters later on, I know that Dana Plato, you can trap her at the end. There's uh, part at the very end where you maybe spoil. I guess this is spoilers. Spoiler alert. It's it's fine. I mean, it's yeah. It's like a what? Like a twenty-five year old game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah, alright. People have had some time. <laughs> yeah, it's alright. Yeah. And it, if you, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, you can watch it on YouTube, and I'm sure you have. I mean, I know nothing about it, yeah. and you can tell me about it, and I still don't care because. And I will play it all the way through. It's just, it's not like, it's not like Aerith dying in like Final Fantasy VII or something like that. It's just, you know, oh, it's just... I've played Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, spoilers. Sorry, that's that one's an old ass game too. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. At the end, so after you beat the vampires, those main vampire couple, you, you beat them. Mm-hmm. Daniel Plato turns to you and says, "Great job!" But she's standing on a trap, and you can trap her at the. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a yeah. nice little, like, uh, you know, fun, like, end to it where it's like, ah, and right. then you can go, yeah, yeah. And she's like, why would you do this? Because she's, uh, she's undercover, right? She works with the scat team yeah, yeah. and all that. Yeah, she's a scat woman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she works with the scat. She's a scat woman. Yeah, yeah. Which that whole opening part's pretty amazing of the, uh, of them, of the scat talking about, like, this girl was yeah. was abducted or whatever, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And one Did of those. Did you notice all the yeah. Pepsi? I missed the Pepsi. Jeremy was talking about that too last night. Yeah, there's like five Pepsi cans placed strategically around the room. So it was officially sponsored by Pepsi then. I guess so, but the cans are kind of turned a little bit. I, I don't. I, it's hard to tell if, if you were supposed to see the logo or mm. not, but you do. Oh, okay. So I don't know. Because it was a Pepsi production. I'm or like, what. was it a product placement thing? Was Pepsi like, yeah, Night Trap? This is like the new way to play games. Like we're totally in. Like here's some money. You know. Maybe so. Yeah. There was one yeah. close-up shot on a desk, and the can wasn't perfectly facing the camera, but, you know, it's a Pepsi logo, so mm-hmm. I just thought that was really funny. Yeah, for sure. They shot a different version, by the way, for the Sega CD game, <laughs> which this whole open the whole opening that they have was new to me. I'd never seen that before. Oh, of the Sega, the, C- Sega oh. CD game, it all takes place, the opening is just that guy, and he's in a van. Mm-hmm. And he he's talking to you, and he's like, "You can control the cameras with this special controller." And then he shows you an actual Genesis controller. Oh, okay. Can <laughs> and and you can so was, you can see that on the Switch version? No, I, uh, that's not on the Switch version. And okay. It's, Scat in the in the Sega CD one stands for Sega Control Attack Team. Ah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to brand it with the Sega name. Yeah. So I'm wondering. So I was wondering how they would pull that off in this version. But, you know, um, at the start when it shows the first person view of the enemy and he's holding that controller, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that was the controller for the Hasbro system that they were planning on releasing, which was called the Nemo. 
Oh, yeah, uh, that was that, that's what this was originally designed for in 1987. Mm. It was a edition called the Nemo that you could put onto any VCR and. I don't understand what it actually looked like or how it functioned, but that's what they say it was in the documentary. It was mm. this Hasbro thing called the Nemo. You could stick it on any VCR, and it would allow you to play interactive games on VHS. Oh, okay. Weird. Yeah. Mm. So I'm thinking that the controller that the villain has in the beginning, it must be the design of that Nemo system controller, which which never came out. Mm. Yeah, I wondered about that controller and like why, and I, and I wondered why it didn't show you the controller that you have until you're like, oh, this is what does this. Let, let me ask you this. So, like, in the instruction, it says, I understand, like, hitting B is how you set the traps, and that's what makes them go away. But it said something about X also. Like, what does that do? Like, it didn't really... Like, oh, you could remember. you could put, um, push X to, like, disarm or whatever. Or, but I couldn't get whatever X did to make... To do anything in there. Maybe I it's not... I didn't check that out. Maybe it's not important. I think it's just trapping guys. You got the one button to switch the camera, the other button to activate the traps, and then the L and R buttons change the color code that I did not hear about X. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but, um, definitely, uh, definitely give it a look, Daniel. Well, you said you already have it. So, um, it's, yeah. uh, it, I do the adult thing where I buy games and then don't play them mm-hmm. and then buy more games. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is this one you get, like, I only played it for maybe like an hour last night, maybe an hour and a half, you know, but I felt like I got a lot of it out of that because it's a very simple game. Like it's, it, it's in the time of that, did you ever play uh have you played any of the newer FMV stuff Daniel like have you played like the late shift or anything like that cuz no people seem to be talking about that game and looking at it now like versus night trap it actually looks like kind of what that game should have been like it w- would have like progressed to now and and became like a competent product like like what I've seen of night shift and I actually I think I'm going to get it because of it it's just like it looks like what what the the, the FMB genre should have been in the in, in the end you know where like you you see something it's like a choose your own adventure but interactive where you kind of like telltale but you don't move around as much and you decide how you're going to react to different things and it changes the story in that way and that's kind of like what the future of night trap would have been if if that was successful enough for them to make other games like that i guess and i guess it has sure. become sort of a genre nowadays which is weird cuz i had only heard about it recently but you know be interested to see the new stuff and see see how that works there were that that director did a couple other uh, Sega CD games as well this which, yeah. uh, which are, are a company the, called digital pictures and yeah. they were the primary uh pushers of FMV back in the day it was a wirehead and a surgical strike were the other two and i hope that they i hope they re-release those also a limited run if you're listening like go uh get those on switch as well yeah i would totally play fact, other I would weird say that they should just yeah. make a digital pictures compilation put all those games into one package mm-hmm. uh, you know i'd pay 40 bucks to play a whole bunch of those games mm-hmm. sure i'm not what about Sewer Sharks? They should put that on there, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that game? one, too. <laughs> that was another weird, like, FMB game for Sega CD. The only Sega CD game that I played that I really, really liked was the uh, the Spider-Man one with all the weird uh, cutscenes, which, if you haven't seen those, look at them on YouTube. They're absolutely hilariously awful. <laughs> yeah, all these an- all these animated, uh, like, especially the Venom cutscene when, like, he goes to the church and, like, rings the bells. Like, that whole part is amazing. Are they just poorly animated, like, the Zelda CDI games? Kinda. I mean, our, our, like my friends and I, we would quote it just because we thought it was absolutely hilarious. Like, there's a part with Venom where he's like, you know, where he's like, they're ringing the bells, and he's like, "What are you doing to me?" Like, it's it's just hilarious. Like, and we would just quote it back and forth because we thought it was so funny. But at the time, it was being a comic fan and like not really having a whole lot of comic representation in the world. I thought it was awesome, <laughs> you know, just to see some 
animated oh, comic definitely. book stories, you know. Now it's everywhere, Man, I, but back then it wasn't. I spent way too long on that uh, that X Men Super Nintendo game just because you I was Apocalypse? like, "Look, guys, X Men has a game." Oh like, yeah, I love that it was game. So novel. Yeah, Mutant Apocalypse is pretty good. Like the the Capcom one that has like the Street Fighter controls. Like that one was pretty dope, and I liked uh, War of the Gems. I thought it was cool too. The Infinity War way before Infinity War. Like that was the story of that with Thanos and all that shit. It's pretty rad. Yeah, it's kind of wild for how big comic books even are now that there really aren't any comic book games. I mean, there's that like Crystal Dynamics one that they're making that's the Avengers, but like for all the money that in, uh, Disney has made off of Marvel, it's pretty mm-hmm. wild that they're just like, nah, no games. Yeah, right. And well, I feel like there's been a major uh, decline of licensed games lately because they've been yeah. shit for years and i feel like people finally figure that out and that's like well hey maybe we maybe we shouldn't make a game for every like superhero movie that we do you know and i think that would it take them like two iron mans before they figured that out to like maybe we shouldn't make an iron man right. game every that's time what there's a whatever yeah. control thing and probably you know the new spider-man game that's coming out is, is evidence of that but that game looks phenomenal yeah, that's another game I'll have to play because it's a PlayStation 4 only. Even though I, it comes out the same week as Dragon Quest Eleven, so I think it's I'm gonna have to just get Dragon Quest Eleven and wait on Spider Man. But I'm sure it'll drop soon enough. The price. Yeah, it's funny. It's just like I remember uh, when Arkham Asylum was a thing, and like you know, it was amazing, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, "Man, surely every." like Marvel or DC property is going to get a game like this now because well, they've yeah. got a formula and it's great. And then just no. nothing happened after that. Like there yeah. were no other games. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there were some bad, like, I think there might've been some, some bad movie tie in games after that. But I think the only really good Marvel stuff we got was like Marvel ultimate Alliance. Like those games I thought were pretty good. And like, or like X-Men yeah. legends. So like the action RPG stuff that we got from that, those were, those were all right. But and there's like the, um, uh, what do you call it? I'm blanking on the name. The DC fighting games. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, Injustice. Right. Like there's yeah. that series, and that's mm. you know pretty popular. But it's yeah. just pretty crazy that like Spider-Man is the first you know the Marvel movie or Marvel video game that was like a major you know third person like triple A action mm-hmm. game in a while. And yeah. you think of all the money they've made, and I'm like, damn dude. Aside from that weird Captain America game on 3DS, I can't think of any other attempts <laughs> they made. Yeah, there was a weird yeah, there was a weird Captain America game. There's also a weird Thor game that, yeah. that came out on, 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 on the I think it was on the Wii and the PS3 and all that. I didn't play any of those games. And there was also like a bad like Green Lantern game. I'm not that desperate for a comic book stuff as I used to be where I would play every fucking game that there was. But now there's like better yeah, stuff definitely. to do and that's that's not all you have to do. But yeah, no, I mean Sony does like own PlayStation, so it make or place or Sony owns Spider Man, is what I meant. Like to a point. So they right. so it makes sense for them to do a Spider Man uh, exclusive and all that. And it's cool that they're putting time into it, so hopefully it's good. But uh is all there right. is there any uh anything else you want to say about Night Trap, John? Were you gonna say something, Dan? Oh, I was going to say, if, if Nintendo was to get, like, one comic book license and have a game made for their system, what would you want? Oh, shit. Well, the nerd, the nerd of me would want the Fantastic Four, because the Fantastic Four is my favorite comic book series of all time. But, I mean, it's, you know, due to people not respecting the source material and, and never following the comic book completely, we never really got a good movie out of it. But if Marvel does end up getting it, they might do a better one. But that's, it, I mean, in my nerd heart, that would be what I'd obviously go to is like them make a game of that series. And I always thought of one, I always made one in my mind for Super Nintendo where you'd like play as the different characters and they'd all have different 
levels and stuff like that. But I guess realistically, it would be cool if Nintendo did like an Avengers game or something like that. But I don't even know what they would do because I can't really think of like a much Nintendo stuff where it's like an ensemble cast. Like most of it's just like one person, you know? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, if they did the Avengers as Wonderful 101. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or that'd be interesting. Or they do like a, yeah, if they did a Marvel thing with Wonderful 101. But then it would just kind of like take away all the greatness of the heroes that are in there because they're all now they're just a giant glob of people you know i want to i want to see uh i want to see another cell shaded one it's kind of meant to look like you know the oh, cartoons yeah. or something like beautiful like Joe. A, uh, yeah like like uh it'd be cool to see teen titans or something like that it's mm. you know maybe a little more lighthearted and just kind of like keep it cell shaded and fun and just colorful and crap and like I don't know. That'd be rad. Mm. I think there was, wasn't there a Teen Titans game for Wii? Or I know there was a Batman Brave, Brave and the Bold game for Wii that was supposedly yeah. really good. And that show was excellent. I love that game because, I love that show because it leaned into the ridiculousness of early Batman. Like, where, yeah, the campiness of yeah. like the 60s Batman and stuff. Yeah. Well, and like even like some of the old weird comic villains, like Crazy Quilt is in there. Like, I love Crazy Quilt. Like, that's probably like one of the worst Batman villains, but amazing. Like, I like that stuff where like, you're confident with it enough that you can lean into the weird shit, like the weird sure. comic book stuff from the sixties or whatever. We had like the really, really bad villains, you know, and I like that shit. I thought it was cool that they went away from like the, you know, from like the major ones, like the penguin and, and like Joker and went into like mu- more like music, like music maestro and like, you know, like weather wizard and like all these weird, these weird ass ones from the, from the sixties. I was like the time King or the clock King. What was, what was the guy's name? The clock. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was it. Right. The clock, clock King. King. Yeah. 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 Well, from the yeah, that was the more serious the stuff, animated but, series. But Brave and the Bold basically ran the other way with like just go digging into like the weirdness of Batman before he became dark. You know, back when it was more right. like silly, and that one was good in its own regard in, in that way. But uh, is there anything else you want to say about Night Trap, or did you want to say something about? Uh, well, you already said Wonderful One One. Is, is do you have any final thoughts about Night Trap? As uh, we're getting close to like two hours, so I wanted to wrap it up here. You either of you? It. Yeah, go, go buy it. <laughs> yeah, I know you've been. I know you've been uh, talking about John. I feel like John's been talking about Night Trap for like the past like ten episodes or whatever. Like ever since you find out found out it was going to be a Switch release, it's been a right something you've been hyping a, up. It's such an odd choice, but such a I don't know. It, it comes back around to you know in the Senate hearing of Howard Lincoln saying, "Oh, it'll, it'll never be on." An, Nintendo system, yeah. and uh, you know, there's that about it. There's the whole thing of being, you know, ten years old back at the time that it came out, and you know, your parents wouldn't let you play this game, and now I can play it, um, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm an adult and I can do what I want. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was, it's just a little bit of wish fulfillment for the ten year old in me, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I do like horror movies, and it's a novelty because of the FMV thing. All that adds up to me being pretty psyched about night trap and i think it's a great package the way they presented it with the extra features for 15 bucks come on if you like all those things just go do it it's great mm. oh yeah for sure it's it's also, it's also kind of like a cool game for uh the sake of like video game preservation oh, yeah, like, yeah. i mean long after the world is you know a desolate wasteland like cockroaches will be porting super mario 3 to you know corpses <laughs> but like, i hope so you know Night Trap isn't going to come back a ton of times, so it's cool this that is it somebody's for Night Trap, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool that somebody's making the effort to make this game remembered past its you know system limits of its original release. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that that is kind of cool just to see these old games get a second life. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I mean I wish they would 
I love that they, I mean, the whole game preservation thing, it seems to only happen for like the major releases. Like you're saying, like, yeah, with the, the Mario games or the ones that still have, still have the companies behind them and all that. But it's really nice to see somebody like, even like putting together like a 25th anniversary version of Night Trap. Like I would have never thought that was going to happen ever. Like that's just, no. yeah, that's just like completely out there. Like I would never expected that in a million years, but I'm just yeah. very happy that it is. And, and uh, anybody who doesn't have it, you should buy it because of that. Just buy it to support that. And, you know, and in hopes that there's other, the other things from the past that we might get to play again, you know, things like, like, yeah, like a Sega CD game, which, Tracking down a Sega, like getting getting that is in itself is ridiculous. You know, like even getting just a Sega CD will cost you like over a hundred dollars. You know, because those are not easy to come by. Working ones, yeah. You know, so I'm very happy that they did that, so I don't have to track it down myself. And it's very nice to see something like that. And there's different modes. Like you can play it. I don't know if you notice in the options, you can change the way it's displayed and all that. You can make like the, oh, right. you can make the screen bigger and it's, it'll say like, here's the 92 version and 93 and 95 and like 2018 or whatever. There's like all the different versions you can play and that's cool as well. And it, and even like the, um, the like operating system around that like changes or like the HUD will like look different depending which version you're playing. Cause I tried right. playing the 92 one and the way the, the way the colors displayed and all that is different. It's like completely different. So yeah, although yeah. I, one thing I do wish is that on the Sega CD one, I wish they had really pixelated it as it was on the Sega CD. I would I would like to see that rather than the clean cut, you know, oh. HD version. I want to see the like you know thirty two colors, mm. huge pixels, like the all uh, that just for the Sega CD one. Yeah, like the con- yeah. like the equivalent of like scan lines, like in the yeah, but if for yeah. FMB, yeah, where you like, want they changed the HUD, but they they left the picture you know HD for that one. I, I would have liked a filter to have it super pixelated. Make it that look really, cool. make it look really bad. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Next time, right? If they do all the other ones. Yeah. But uh, I think that's that's our episode. That's gonna be our episode here, uh, episode one thirty six. Dan, thank thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we really really appreciate it. I feel like uh, yeah, thank you. You were able to talk about a lot of stuff that we hadn't played before, especially like uh, Bad North and all that. Hey, and uh, hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. You should come come back again. You know, if you have if there's ever something you want to. Uh, talk about on here feel free to reach out to us and let us know um where can we find you on the internet is there anything you like uh, to plug it, probably either my name or evangeline gale on mm. something uh my website the blog you mentioned is uh evangelinegale.wordpress.com okay because i'm cheap and i didn't actually buy the site so it's the wordpress version oh sure uh, sure but uh yeah that's basically it mm. yeah i know you did i've read some of your articles on the fiddle blog and and you're on like Twitter and stuff too, right? Yeah, I don't remember what most of that stuff is, but if you search <laughs> Evangeline Gale on one of those, it'll probably come up. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, you can you can find us at uh, NintendoMainPodcast.com. Uh, we also do streams on uh, Twitch.tv slash NintendoMainPodcast, and uh, you can find videos, game videos that we've done at YouTube.com slash FingMater, F-I-N-G-M-A-T-E-R. And uh, you can find Jeremy and I on Twitter. Uh, Jeremy's at jmaxstack, and I'm at Nintendo underscore domain. You can listen to our weird shit that we that we do there, and uh, check that out. And you can also email us like the like the other Jeremy did at uh, NintendoMainPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you know, thanks again, Jeremy. Keep it coming. Yeah, uh, make sure and subscribe and like us and review us on uh, on the iTunes and all that to make us more discover, uh, more able to be discovered and all that. And uh, you know, we'll be back next week to talk whatever the whatever the new Nintendo Mini Direct is. And we're your hosts. I'm Trey Johnson, Jerry Wachowski, John Nitter, and Daniel Gillen. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. See ya.
Does that make you feel any better? Oh, it makes me feel a lot better that if you're a loser, you're dead. No, it doesn't. Um, we're dealing with self-esteem in here. There are many magazines out on the market, like the several I brought in here today. These magazines are filled with game tips on how to play the game. That in no time at all, children become winners and kill, and their kill ratio goes up. It tells them the secret codes and exactly what to do to become successful in murder. 